Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On SEN, right across Australia, this is SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Getting ready for the ICC T20 World Cup Final. New Zealand versus Australia. It is World Cup Final nights, and regardless of the sport, these are rare and cherished events for participants and fans alike. And tonight, well, it's got great elements. It is an all-antipodean affair Australia versus New Zealand in a format that neither has yet tasted the ultimate success. It's in a far-off venue. Dubai is an unlikely setting, which means that for all of us at home, it's through the wee small hours. And that means it requires commitment. It requires a sleep plan if you've got this failure and strife. It requires caffeine and sugar at the right time. In this instance, I think it needs cheesels and the family pack of Tim Tams. The first ball is at 1am. The party is now. We celebrate cricket. We launch the summer ahead. And to get the party started on the right notes, Damien Fleming, good evening. Good evening, Jared. Fantastic opening there. I might be a bit, um, I need a bit more caffeine, I think. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't budgeted. The Tim Tams will get me so far, but very excited. I mean, uh, the, the Aussies campaign going into this World Cup, you know, they were nowhere near the favourites. So I, I was hoping they'd get to the semis. New Zealand, this is the third uh, White Bull T20, oh, sorry, World Cup that they've played in, but they haven't gone on to win it. So um, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Australia have had the wood over the Kiwis generally in, in big competitions, in big games. So uh, from an Aussie perspective, hopefully that continues on. We're gathering all our friends tonight. So Tim Payne, Ian Healy, Simon Kadich, Chris Rogers, Lisa Stalaker, Gavin Robertson, Robert Craddock, Peter Lawler, Simon O'Donnell, Barat Sunderason, Adam Collins, Simon Helmet, Narrowly Meadows in the Jeez. stadium, and on and on. And then for the call, so I presume at some stage we'll have a one-hour kip at some yep. stage because yep. Hutto's coming in to get the second part of the party going. You're not saying he'll put us to sleep. <laughs> Darren Berry and Simon and uh, Sam Hargraves, who have done us – Proud right through the tournament. So they're seasoned to these hours. We'll be joining them for the call. No, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic too, because the intriguing thing about this tournament was the three different venues. Yep. So it was really hard to get a gauge on um what the, the pitch was doing in charge uh, as opposed to Dubai. But uh, both these teams have played a few games there now. So um, they'll know the conditions well. It generally lends itself to, to winning that toss and, and bowling first. But, you know, can this be the game where the team batting first takes the initiative? Pakistan weren't far off. Yep. I, you know, another 10 runs, that would have got them home. So intrigued about a lot of the the matchups. Stoyness and Wade have been amazing in that middle order. Uh, for New Zealand, they're, they're bowling has been fantastic. So the matchup is... Australia are a batsman heavy and and New Zealand are bowler heavy. So, you know, the way that they go about their different matchups is going to be fantastic. So we're going to mine your experience. You've seen two World Cup finals and lived both sides of the result and in peculiar circumstances as well. I was, I was When I was watching Matthew Wade, I was thinking, yeah, World Cup semi-final heroes. I, think <laughs> we, I know the genre here. But 
it is a party. Do you know, it's Gilly's 50th today. Yes. So we're, we're sort of surfing on the momentum of Adam Gilchrist's raising the bat. Anthems, dress Australian, almost the quintessential or cliched Australian dressing room anthems. Yep. What gets you up? What drives you crazy? What plays if Australia lifts the trophy. Now, we've got giveaways tonight. What would you think? So an all-night <laughs> broadcast, what would, should we give away? Pillows. Yep. Temper pillows. It, so we have a temper pillow to give away every hour. Sounds good. Sounds 04 good. 93 will do with you the sporting events that you've lived through the night. Fire on. So Headingly immediately comes to mind yep. for me. Uh, so he'll do that after 10, a temper pillow to give away every hour, 0433981116. Your Jeopardy category is quintessential Australian anthems. Yep. Songs that were played, so the Australian team would sing underneath the Southern Cross I stand. That, that, that's when the party starts. And then I'm, I'm not including any international artists and particularly how we're playing New Zealand, I'm not counting split ends and dragon, <laughs> yes, crowded yes. house, all that. They're out. Um, I'm going to go through a, a, a top ten of songs that that just got played, yep. and also the way I'm going to spread them is is the timings. So there was a couple that were played immediately, and then as the celebrations continued. Yep. A little bit of karaoke was taking over the mood, how it went. So I'm going to do the theme that way. And I imagine some songs speak to the personality of some players, depending who was in the dressing room. Yeah. Well, there was three factions in the team. Yes. It's it's the the pop guys like Shane Warne, you know, who liked the uh, the more Kylie Minogue sort of theme. <laughs> um, the country and western, Steve War who was obviously Kenny Rogers yep, and, and yep. Johnny Williamson. And then there was the hard rock, heavy metal guys like myself, David Byrne, Jason Gillespie. So there was friction. But where we did come together was with classic Australian rock. Okay. So as a, as a whole, the team liked these songs. Um, one's not getting a mention. It was Justin Langer, the Australian coach's favourite. Uh, Horses by Daryl Braithwaite is not in this. Okay. Struck out. It's not my. I'm a hard rock, heavy metal man. So, <laughs> Alfie, I hope you win tonight. But it's it, it's not got a gig. A- am I doing one now? In in, in a few minutes. Time. Okay, let me just work out what the first one is. All but right. but if you've got any thoughts, make sure you, you tweet or text in. We have a Temper Cloud Pillow to give away each hour valued at $299 thanks to Temper mattresses and pillows like no other. 0433981116, quintessential Australian dressing room anthems. So before we hit that, you played two World Cup finals. How big are moments in a player's career are these pinnacle events? Well, they're massive you know, I think the two biggest tournaments that you play in, um, well, back in my time was Ashes Series and 50 over World Cups. So, you know, if you could get, you know, at least one of those, you'd feel complete. Um, my, my experiences, 1996, we got to the final, but but lost to Sri Lanka. But um, unusual circumstances. The preparation, you know, that was an insane World Cup. You know, we were supposed to start in Sri Lanka, you know, for, for various reasons we decided not to go. So we forfeited points. Yes. So we're behind the eight ball. Upset India 
at, at home in Mumbai, you know, massive Metallica mosh pit crowd <laughs> atmosphere. And then we started to build really momentum. And then, but we get to the final and, and we're playing in Pakistan, a country we hadn't gone to for the entire World Cup. Only got there a couple of days beforehand. And I remember things, you know, Bob Simpson was the coach. You know, yep. we trained hard. Uh, train hard, play easy. That was the philosophy. Right. Um, I remember we did a beep test, I think, the day before the game. Like, why would you do a beep test? But we didn't train at night and uh, got into the game. And uh, obviously, Murali kept the total down a little bit, but started to bowl and the ball got wet. And um, so conditions didn't suit us. We weren't prepared for us. Aravinda De Silva probably would have – he was – batting on a different planet anyway, but took it away from us. But I remember the preparation. There's a bit of uncertainty because Karachi, you haven't been there. Yeah, you haven't trained. Yeah. You haven't trained at night. And then the 1999 World Cup, which obviously we won, you know, started badly, rebuilt as a team, some close games against South Africa. Almost we had that belief. I remember at training at Lords, thinking it doesn't matter what scenario we get to, we can win. And maybe there's a little bit in this Australian team with the way that Stoinis and Wade have got us uh, home in a couple of those. But I remember training against Pakistan at Lords, you know, building up to that 1999 World Cup final, and I just felt like we we're going to win. And the, the aim early on was to to a cool clinical display yep. on on the, on the final day, and that and that's what happened. So I'm hoping it's more like the 1999 World Cup for this team. Um, having been based there for so long and played the last couple of games in Dubai, I think it will be closer to that. Um, but both teams have had a lot of players that played in the IPL, so they're, they're going to be well-conditioned um, for, for whatever they cop here in Dubai, whether a pitch or a little bit of dew later on. So the extremes of it, are you in a, in a test series, you never know when victory would come. It could come after three tests or four tests or... But a grand final, as it were, the final of a World Cup and then losing it, the disappointment that comes with that, winning it, the the high, is that um, is that the closest you get to the, that grand final dynamic? Definitely. It's the closest thing to an AFL grand final, um, you know, because it's six to eight weeks and, and you're trying to build momentum throughout Um if if you and that's why I love the semi-finals too. There, there's been calls that it, for a team that's on top to to get a second chance. I love the brutality of semi-finals. You might be the dominant team throughout the tournament, but you've got to bring your A game to to the semi-finals. Yep. And so I I just love the brutality um, that semi-finals and and it showed up again, didn't it? I mean, England were the favourites. Uh, New Zealand beat them, and Pakistan. You know. What with five overs to go, they're, they're home and host. They're a chance to win another T20 World Cup, and they're out. They were brilliant semi-finals that, to deliver us here. Sammy's in Greenvale with us. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Sen's World Cup party. Sammy, hello. Yeah, good evening, gents. Gents, um, just a quick one. I'd never encourage gambling or anything, but I told everyone I knew, get on Australia eight to one. Get on Australia eight to one. People laughed. I don't know what they miss. It's now dollar sixty. Like, how is Australia never highly rated? I, I, I don't know if I'm missing something or I'm, 
I'm optimistic, but I was adamant they were going to win. Or they haven't won yet, but I was adamant they'll get to the final at least. You know, Sammy, you're you're a good judge. I must admit, the tone through the texts and the calls on Waitley across the past three weeks have been pretty pessimistic. There's yeah. going to be a lot of people shocked that Australia's in the final tonight. I think a lot of it came too from the West Indies and Bangladesh T20 tours, but half of those players aren't in this squad. We didn't have our IPL players, yep. so uh, or Mitchell Stark. So I, I was never as pessimistic. I had us making the semi, but I, you know, I, it wouldn't have surprised me pre-tournament if it was an India England uh, final, just because England had been so dominant in white ball cricket, and and India were coming out of the IPL. My question mark for India was expectation as the favourites. Yep, and, and it proved too much. James in the Gambi's gone tactical nap this afternoon. Thai food <laughs> ordered. Now three different boxes of shapes and coffee, of course. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The quintessential Aussie dressing room anthem countdown. Suggestions are coming through. I'm just I'm going to park a few of those for the time being. Start us at ten, Flem. Starting up this song, not my favourite, but um, certainly not a rock number. But it was played uh, pretty much after every time we sang the song. It's one of Steve War's favourite, and and he was a senior player then, captain. It's a mate of his, John Williamson. Yes, and it's Case. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Hey True Blue. <laughs> hey True Blue. Don't say you've gone Say you've knocked off for a smoker And you'll be back <laughs> later on Hey, True Blue Hey, True Blue Give it to me straight We've got our lighters out at this stage. We're waving away. Probably had more impact later on, but it did get played straight away. It, it's not in my, can I say, CD collection? If people know what <laughs> yeah, CDs are yes, now. Yes, yes. No, I hear. I hear. So, so we got nine 10. to go, but that 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 always got played. All right. Ant in Mitchum's gone just in bed with SEN in the background. Alarm set for 12.30, waking the boys and brother-in-law coming over for Rock the played. first ball. At 1 a.m. We're going to start at the top in our World Cup party. Test captain Tim Payne joins us next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. World Cup final nights, big events for players and fans alike. So we've got the party started. Damien Fleming is in the studio and all of our cricketing friends are going to join us across the next four hours. The first ball is 1am from Dubai. We will have Sam Hargraves, Darren Berry alongside Jared Waitley and Damien Fleming for the broadcast. We're going right through the night. Flem, quintessential Aussie, Aussie dressing room anthems. 10 was True Blue. What's it, 9? Okay, number 9, um, classic Australian rock band. This is probably not my favourite song, but it was ingrained already within the team, mainly uh, thanks to Steve Waugh and his Cold Chisel. Okay, Sam.
A lot. Yep. We'll get. We'll start to get a bit rockier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I had to get those two out. Not my, not my most popular songs. Yes. But they were very significant. All right. I wonder what rules the dressing room in 2021. Shall we check at the top? Let Let's go straight to the top. The test captain Tim Payne is with us on our World Cup party. Tim, welcome. G'day, gentlemen. How are you? What's the number one song for you after victory? Oh, God. Well, to be honest, uh, True Blue still is the yep. sort of the official start of the team song. <laughs> so whenever our songmaster puts that on, we're, um, we're normally having a pretty good time. So I think it's still probably number one. Um, apart from that, it's very, uh, very diverse these days. Spotify gets a run and it just rolls. There's no one really in charge, actually, at the moment. Dean Hills, our analyst, sometimes puts a bit of uh, Aussie rock. Um, he likes that sort of your, your sort of ear, actually, Flem Dean Hills, isn't he? So, and he's a hawk uh, man as well, Painey. He is a hawker, don't worry. Although he's been a bit quiet the last couple of years, <laughs> I must admit. But before that, Christ, him and you, he couldn't get, couldn't get a word in about the footy. What's your strategy tonight? Are kids to bed, are you going to have a nap? What's your viewing strategy? Yeah, kids to bed, uh, chat to you two, alarm set for 12.45. I've got former Test Paceman who's down here now, Peter Siddle. Uh, he's getting the brew coffee sorted down at uh, the Woolstall where he stays, and he's going to come up tonight and, uh, and watch the cricket with me. So we're going to settle in on the couch here at my place. And, Pony, what's, what's impressed you most about the, the way that the Aussies have got themselves to the final? Um, I... To be honest, probably the fact that everyone's contributed at, at certain times. I don't think we've had that sort of star player, have we, that, you know, in previous World Cups we've had guys that have absolutely dominated this time. It's been more of a team effort. Um, obviously, Matthew Wade uh, last game was absolutely outstanding. It was, I think, as good a batting as you'll ever see, given the pressure he was under, um, given the fact it was a World Cup final. Um, and to be honest, if uh, him or Thorne had got out, the game was probably over. Yeah. So to, to score at that rate under that pressure in that moment was, um, yeah, as good a batting, I think, as um, I can remember seeing. Yeah, and instantly part of folklore, isn't it? The, the way he was yeah. able to finish that game. So what a, what a, and his story is, I mean, you've lived it. It is well recounted, yeah. but th- this was sort of the moment where he finally got his just desserts, I felt, in a way. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and well, actually, I thought as well when he played in the Ashes in England, he showed his his toughness over there, and um, I mean, he he'd been he'd been through a lot as well actually to get back into that Test team. He had to go and score so many runs for Tasmania to get back in. Then he came over and, and showed not only you know how good he is, but I think how tough he was over in, in England. And then um, a couple of nights ago to show such a high level of skill to be able to ramp a guy, um, set him up to then I think you know he got him the first ramp, then guessed probably pretty well that he was going to go the slower ball and hit him an absolute mile. Um, yeah, I just thought the way he sort of set him up and was one step ahead of him um, the whole time. Not forgetting that guy, Shaheen Freddy, was absolutely on fire the other overs he bowled. So um, to take on their best player probably in that game and absolutely take him to school in the biggest moment he's, he's probably had in his career, career was, was unbelievable. He actually texted me after it. After I sort of sent him a message and said that was unbelievable. <laughs> 
uh, he said, I, I can't believe that just happened with a smiley face. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal batting. It's, it's interesting to reflect on Australia's performances in T20 World Cups. The only two moments significant ones, um, for hopefully uh, after this final, is David, uh, sorry, Michael Hussey getting us home in yep. a semi-final a long time ago, and now and now yep. Wadey. Um, how do we knock over the Kiwis? They're, they're more a bowler-heavy team, so is um, early yeah. on with the new ball very important? Can um, Mitchell Stark relive the, the 2015 World Cup final against New Zealand? Well, geez, I hope so because I think the, probably the two lefties at, at, um, with the new ball hold the key, I think Starkey and, and for New Zealand, Trent Bolt. I think anyone that can bowl at their pace, as we saw with the Freddie the other night, and swing the ball late down the line from their angle is not only very hard to score off, but um, it's hard not to get you out. So I think both of those two have a, a, a huge role to play and um, hopefully Starkey can knock... Um, I think he'll get Mitchell in the first over. He can get him on strike. I'm not sure if Guppers will take the first ball, but Mitchell's someone who's a bit of a makeshift opener. He's gone up there for the Kiwis to try and smack it. And um, I'm thinking tonight that Starkey's class and pace um, will might be a bit too much for him and um, we'll get off to a great start. You like the matchup against Pakistan. Um, what the <clears> dynamic <throat> with New Zealand. So Flem asked me before, how do I feel? So through my cricketing life, um, yep. As a fan, I always feel like Australia will beat New Zealand. It's just, it's almost ingrained into us, fair or unfair, but I can't think of the occasion where it sort of hasn't quite come off. Is there the big brother, little brother dynamic? Oh, I don't think so. I think Australia is confident no matter who we go into play against. Um, I'm not sure why. I think there is that bit of that little bit, little brother, big brother, but I'm not sure why. I think they feel that a little bit as well, to be honest, in big games. Um, but I think the key with playing New Zealand is is you've got to try and match them at their strengths, and that's that, what they're very, very good at is being disciplined and sticking to their game plan, and I think if Australia can do the same thing, I think if you go man for man down the list for pure talent, we've, we've got them covered. It's just that they are extremely disciplined and, and stick to their roles uh, and play those roles um, to a T. So if we can match them in those areas, um, I think we've got too much firepower with Bad Amble. Pony, how will we construct that, that fifth bowler? Would you see potentially Maxi bowling and over in the power play? Yeah, I think so. I think if they can get an early wicket, certainly. I think um, when someone like Williamson comes on, I think he, he's someone that likes to take his time. He, he won't come out and absolutely blow you away like a, a Guptill can uh, or a Mitchell will try to. So I think if we can get an early wicket, I think you'll see Maxi potentially come on early to a Williamson, see if they can sneaking over and, and build some pressure up on the guy at the other end. And then um, through the middle, probably a Mitch Marsh, um, I imagine, will share those four overs with uh, with Maxi, given that Stoyne hasn't sort of bowled it over in the World Cup and um, I think has been carrying a little bit of a niggle or or maybe he just hasn't, uh, Finchie doesn't like his bowling. I'm not <laughs> sure. um, I think, yeah, plan A would be get an early wicket, bring Maxwell on uh, to someone like Williamson who takes his time at the start and then um, try and mix and match a little bit. Um, depending on who they use down the middle. If there's a left-hander like Anisham, I think you can get Maxi back in for again. Otherwise, you stick with um, with Mitch Marsh. But those two will have those four overs covered pretty comfortably, I hope. Just the overall, Tim, is this this season, this summer, had two pinnacle moments, the T20 World Cup and then the Ashes. Did you yep. feel like whatever happened potentially in this tournament could could leave you with a mood when the the bulk of the team comes back to prepare, particularly given... You've played bugger all cricket, and there hasn't been a yep. lot of winning for Australia across yeah. 18 months. 
Oh, look, it doesn't help to, to be winning, does it? Whether, you know, we're the Australian cricket team, we're all, all, all sort of in it together. Um, what, it, what it will do is give, you know, a lot of our staff who are on the road a lot of the time and give them a real lift and a real pat on the back. And, um, you know, they're, they're as desperate for success as, as we are. And some of our staff have been through the ringer as well. So it'll be great to have them get some recognition and, and some reward. Um, and obviously from the players, yeah, the players that are there who come home, they obviously going to be you know full of confidence but as we saw last ashes in england that, that doesn't guarantee you test match success they came off the world cup win and uh, we managed to bowl them over in, in their home condition so yeah it's always nice to be winning whether it's t20 to 50 over the test match and um, there'll be some confidence carried over but that's about it i don't believe in, in momentum or anything like that i think once first ball the ashes he's bowled in brisbane on december 8 it's um it's uh, it's even stevens Injury update, Payne. How are you travelling and uh, how will you prove your fitness? Will it be opening bowling in club cricket? <laughs> no, I've been banned, Flynn. Can you believe it? Um, no. Yeah, it's a shattering day. I'm going to have to wait till. Uh, Swings it both ways. Come back and bowl. I know. I belt some offies in the one day grand final last year. But um, no, I'll, um, I'll have a, another solid week. I trained really well last week, actually, and got through it all. So that was pleasing and um, yeah I'll put another good week in this week and uh, play great cricket uh, on Saturday and, and that'll be the start of the comeback so uh, I'm, I'm confident I could have played this weekend if, if I needed to um, so yeah really comfortable going into another week of training and, and be absolutely ready to go next Saturday. Tim uh, enjoy a couple of hours sleep good luck for Australia tonight. I will do thanks gents have a good call. All right, I'm good Payne. Tim Payne it's a nice image Tim Payne and Peter Siddle on the couch with Fantastic. the brew coffee. That's the way. <laughs> so it's going to be the same all around the country, whether you're a fan, whether you're a captain. It's building that way, isn't it? But uh, great to hear the passion from Paney. And um, I think it will make a, a difference. If you're knocked out, I, I don't think it's shattering for confidence. But if you win a T20 World Cup, something you've never done before, they're, they're going to come back very happy and yeah. ready to take on the Poms. If Stark gets Mitchell in the first over... Tim might have just won the temper pillow, you know. Yeah, that sort we of need prediction to get it to him quickly. Might, might, might last. At Damien's in Frankston, welcome to the SEN World Cup party, Damien. G'day, boys. How are we? Very well. How are you, mate? In the running for some prizes, hopefully, boys. What do you got for us? Uh, I got a couple of Aussie songs. Um, Come on, Aussie. Yes. What's your second and one? Also also, I don't like cricket by 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Damien. All right, Flemmy, you've given us True Blue at 10 and Kaysan at 9. Our quintessential Aussie anthem dressing room countdown. People don't like change, and the Australian uh, rock box um, was a bit like that in the dressing room. So introducing new artists was really tough. This band I was a big fan of from their second album on, big single called Pick You Up. Couldn't get it played. But when this song from Powderfinger hit my happiness, all of a sudden they they got themselves onto the rock box and Bernard and JC from the band um, end up coming into the dressing rooms a fair bit. Classic song. Yeah, that's nice. 
That works on every front. But you know where we're going? Yeah. We've yeah. had the slow sort of sing-alongs. It's just, it's not heavy, but it's an up five. We are happy. We've just won a test match or a World Cup or a one-day series. So very significant too, as I said, to get a new Aussie band in there. Earl from South Bunbury cooking the barbecue already in WA. Looking yep. forward to cold leftover sausages when the match begins. <laughs> it's very Perth friendly, isn't it? And surely it's socially acceptable to call a sickie tomorrow if the Aussies get up. That's from Joey. 0433 98 11 16. Temper, a mattress like no other. We've got a pillow to give away every hour in our World Cup party. Ian Healy joins us next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. We all have decisions to make. How do we savour this? I'm going right through. Monday morning, Waitley is going to be with no sleep. Anything could happen serious? from nine tomorrow. Ian Healy's got the breakfast shift. I wonder what Heels' strategy is. He's a tough man. Ian Healy, welcome to the SEN World Cup party. Thanks, Jared. G'day, Flem. Heels yeah, we've up. done this before, haven't we, Flem? We've yeah. gone all the way through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Just bring it I'm on. I'm going to try to. I'll try to get a little <laughs> bit fresh uh, in the next couple of hours and then uh, get up and see as much as I can. And I hope I don't miss the finish like I did in the both semi-finals. <laughs> yeah, you had to be with it right at the death, didn't you? So, Heels, this really wasn't the expected pairing when this tournament started, was it, that we would have an Australia-New Zealand final? No, we're all pretty hopeful that Australia might click and their form come good to closer to their potential than they'd played in the past. But we all had India in there. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm not. I can't really remember. I guess it was India, England. We we're all thinking yep. it might be the hardest to beat. Yep, certainly so. So, what have you liked, Heels? Obviously, I think in T20 cricket, some of the roles that are hard to fill, and, we, and we've struggled over the years, is that that finishing role. But um, with Stoinis and 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 Wadey doing it last game, but they've done it a couple of times throughout the tournament. Um, how significant do you reckon that their pairings been finishing off the innings? Oh, extremely significant, and especially Stoinis in the early parts of the tournament. And then Wadey's just come good towards the end, which is outstanding. That, that, and that's what I like. Uh, they're, they're not all trying to do everything. It's a real good team effort. Everyone knows that a number six batsman in T20 faces about six balls and in innings on average. So that, just gear up and make sure those six to ten balls, whatever you get, are the best they can be. I think Stoinis has been outstanding. Um, just working out their clarity and, and getting their roles down pat. Um, and we've still got more up our sleeve, you, you know, um, but so too is New Zealand. What's, what status do you think this tournament is building, uh, Heels, knowing that the next instalment is here in Australia uh, come October next yeah, year? Yeah, very good call. It's building extremely well. Um, and I'd like to see you know, more international T20s played in the lead-up to um, World Cups and then more one-dayers played in the years leading up to one-day World Cups. So I don't think we have to play everything every year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's building really nicely. I think Australia are developing a specialist nature without even knowing it, probably. Um, we're, we're 
We're still not batting like lunatics like you can in a franchise game. We're, we're still tense and tight and worried playing for our country. But, uh, you know, you never, I, th- I think they're ready to explode. I think the openers have now got some balance about them that they might pinch a game right from you up front um, if we get the, a, a few deliveries that we need early doors. Um, you know, we could see Warner bounce back to his best and pinch. And then we don't have to um, be conservative with our wickets at all and see how many we can rack up. Yeah, Heels, um, it's been tough um, setting a total batting first at Dubai. If we do get sent in, um, what sort of attitude do you want from the Aussies up the top? It has to be pretty fearless. I I don't mind a little bit of watchful, but but not much. Um, They're they're good enough to play. Maybe keep the ball along the ground. You know, do you have to hit it in the air? And, uh, you know, at a time where it hasn't been that easy. But, you know, there's been good totals made batting first. I, I think the myth about this tournament is it's difficult batting uh, bowling second um, and difficult batting first because, you know, sometimes 180 is posted and and then it's chased down. And generally, if we look at how teams chase down big totals, the bowling teams made errors. Uh, drop catches, missed run outs or bowled nine runs off one ball, those types of things. You can't afford that. If you're bowling second, in the last five overs, don't make errors. You know, minimise your errors. And it can be done. You see, you know, Wadey's drop catch um, and Pakistan would have been a different team. England uh, playing against New Zealand, you know, caught some balls right on the road, yeah. uh, just out of hand. Yeah. It, it's not that easy batting last, but you need to bowl well. I thought Chris Jordan bowled the wrong angle too long um, uh, to to uh, Conway and then Nisham. So I, I think if, if everything's got to got to be good quality in their last five overs uh, when you're bowling second. Historically, what do you think about the Australian-New Zealand dynamic in cricket heels and (laughs) how Australia has has tended to lord over the Kiwis? (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this one because I think they're they're all thinking 2015, the one-day World Cup, right? And I really like Starkey's um, intensity the other night. You know, the first over, uh, Flemo, I thought he steamed in and released. He, he wasn't conservative. He wasn't thinking about anything but firing in at the batsman. But what he did in that first over was try too much. You know, he bowled about four different deliveries in the first over of the semi-final when he, when he had his pace going. Yeah. I hope he can really zero in on the stumps and the feet like he did of Brendan McCullum, 2015. He set, but he set his mind on that over at the MCG for about three or four weeks. So I wonder if he's put in um, enough mental, the same amount of mental preparation for tonight. And I know New Zealand want to be better than 2015. So they're going to have a real desire to do well. Uh, and they've got a good team. These these two teams match up really well because they've got depth throughout all their batting and bowling uh, lineups. And, you know, they've got options. Uh, now, we're just it's just a matter of what options work best tonight. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I thought Australia and Pakistan matched up really well too. You know, fast bowlers against top-order batsmen, uh, both teams, and that was good to watch. Um, so let's hope tonight's a beauty as well. Heels, enjoy it. So look forward to hearing your thoughts in the morning. Righto. Thanks, Heels. Ian Healy with us on our SEN World Cup party. Number seven, quintessential Australian dressing room anthem. I was nearly going to ask Heels. Ooh. Because he used to rock the the rock box a bit. Uh, this one just uh, this band uh, before my first game.
got to go backstage and thought where we were going to sit to watch them. Well, we actually were on stage with this band, 40,000 people over there in Perth. Um, The Farris brothers, very keen cricket fans. It's in excess, don't change. was always going to be an excess. Why do you reckon that? I just think a bit rockier. You know, yeah. I said we're progressing yeah. through like a little bit rockier there. They were the band, a bit like a couple others come out, their best of got played a lot. And and albums like yep. Kick got played a lot. But I reckon that we'll just, just as we've had a couple of beers and we're going through the stages of celebration, we're not quite total karaoke. Love it. But we need a bit of rockiness and don't change that riff classic. A temper pillow, a temper cloud pillow to give away each hour, collecting your text 0433 98 11 16. It's valued at 299 bucks thanks to temper. Mattresses and pillows like no other. Sleep is for the week, Flem. Sweet sleep is for the week. Simon Cadditch joins us on our SEN World Cup party next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. First ball at 1am, Australia and New Zealand in the final of the T20 World Cup in Dubai. We'll take you right through the night on SEN. This is our World Cup party. Jared Waitley and Damian Fleming with the first stint. Simon Kadic is one of the preeminent coaches in T20 around the world. He's a long-time member of our SEN commentary team. Cat, great to catch up. Great to be on, boys. Excited for tonight? Oh, well, I am. I'm excited to wake up to the result. Um, I, I don't think I'll be staying up. It's been a big weekend with the kids, so uh, I don't think I'm going to make it through to 1am. But, uh, yeah, no, very exciting to, to know that we're back in a, a World Cup final. Can I keep the phone? I'm happy to text every 10, 15 <laughs> minutes. If you just uh, mate, it'll of... definitely be on silence, so there'll be no response. It's been a big weekend. Hey, Kato, how uh, how happy are you with the way that the Australians have progressed through? You know, they certainly weren't in the favourites um, with with the bookmakers going in and everything and had a feeling things needed to go well to make the semi. But um, but a lot's gone right and really they have to have taken so much confidence in the last couple of wins going into this final. Yeah, they should. I think um, they've been excellent in this tournament. I think obviously there was a lot of, speculation leading in about their chances and, and form and, and a number of players obviously were were coming in uh, on the back of you know probably IPLs that, that weren't as strong as previously and obviously we talk about guys like Davey Warner and obviously Finchie hadn't played for a while and came in off, off his knee injury so you know and they're two very big players for us at the top of the order but I think the way we've progressed nicely um, I look I hate to hate to you know put a massive call on this, but I just think we should win comfortably tonight. I think 
this team, the Australian team versus the New Zealand team, um, you know, when you compare it head to head, I just can't see how, um, you know, it stacks up. But what I will say is that the reason New Zealand are there is because they've got so many good role players. And I think that's a big reason why they've got to this, um, to this stage and they're in the final again, because um, they've proven it in the World Cup in, in England recently and, and obviously got to the 2015 World Cup. Uh, and they do have a lot of very good players, but I just think Australia should win tonight. We've got, a, I think, a far better team head-to-head. But as we know in T20, it's unpredictable, and particularly in these UAE conditions, if you got to get on the wrong end of the toss, then it can be a big advantage to the team, potentially um, making the most of the dewy conditions later with the bat. But well, I think with our form, yeah, it should be an Australian victory. Kato, we've actually talked a lot about the batting with uh, Tim Payne and Ian Healy. I might just focus with the bowlers for you, and, and you obviously coaching in the IPL. Just the uh, the reemergence of Josh Hazelwood within T20 cricket, and then also Adam Zampa. Just the the progression again. I mean, he's been world class for a long time, but he's almost the bowl of the tournament here. Yeah, look, certainly in terms of um, uh, Zamps, there's no surprise. I mean. We've had him at RCB for the last couple of years and um, in the IPL, and, and the only reason he didn't play much was because we already had an Indian leg spear in Chahal, who was magnificent, So and plays for India, uh, not in this World Cup, but in previous ones. So um, that's the only reason that sort of kept him from playing more IPL. But um, in those conditions, he's a handful, particularly with his wronging and, um, and just his speed, speed through the air. He doesn't allow guys to get easy step hits as the boys call them these days for you know for fours and sixes so he's been outstanding um so no surprise with him and josh hazelwood you know probably has surprised a few people but i think all those in the know know that he's a quality bowler and he's been able to adapt his skills to t20 and there's a place for someone that can bowl 140 clicks with his height uh, move the ball particularly when there's a bit of movement over there early on which there has been um and then particularly, you know, come back through the middle and, and how Finch has used him really well, even potentially one at the end. So um, he's had a massive role to play and he, you add Stark and Cummins and these guys into the mix. Maxwell's been doing a good job. So I think we've got a really good, you know, good balanced attack um, and hopefully the boys will get the job done tonight. In all that you've seen around the IPL and where the conditions uh, it been uh, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and the like, are you surprised that it is Australia and New Zealand? Were you shocked to see England, India, Pakistan all miss? I was shocked to see India miss out altogether um, because I think you know when you when everyone looks at the teams, you look at them on paper and the way they're balanced and the, the number of superstar players they've got. But it just goes to show how cutthroat it is. You know that that first game against Pakistan potentially was the difference, or even their loss against New Zealand. And, you know, that that costs them getting through and who knows what can happen in the big games with their big players. But, um, yeah, I thought they'd be there at the end. Um, I thought Pakistan were magnificent, but they're still quite a young emerging team. Um, England were probably, you know, a bit of a surprise. But saying that, when you lose the, the players of the calibre of Archer and Stokes and these guys, they are hard to replace, particularly Archer. And I think that just, you know, he was a big loss for them. They're, the balance of their attack was just a little bit different without that firepower with him bowling sort of, you know, 145-plus and, and finishing off at the end, which basically was probably the difference in them getting through to the final. You know, Chris Jordan's a fantastic bowler, but, you know, Archer's probably even a level above him. So, um, yeah, those two teams in particular, India and England, are probably a bit of a surprise package missing out. 
Cat, great to touch base, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you through the summer. Good man. Enjoy the call, guys. Sleep well, Cato. <laughs> Simon Cadditch, uh, renowned IPL coach. He's coached T20 <laughs> all around gun. the world, part of our SEN commentary team. Right. If you're in Sydney, our Sydney listeners are about to leave us until midnight for the Spirit of Sport, which is the weekly institution on 1170. If you're in Sydney, you can keep listening to SEN's World Cup Party on the SEN app. Just click the World Cup Party tile. I've just had a quick look at the app. It's easy to find. So stay with us. Robert Craddock, Peter Lawler about to join us. We're up to number six in our countdown of the dressing room anthems. So Damien Fleming to work us through to the top ten, through the top ten in the next hour. We're giving away the pillow. James in Nagambi's won this hour's pillow. I'll share a lot of the thoughts with you that are coming through the Temper Cloud pillow valued at almost 300 bucks going every hour. So James in Nagambi from our first hour. We might play an old competition and see if he can nail the top three on Flem's list on our SEN World Cup party next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. It is a Sunday night with a difference because we are in the countdown to a World Cup final, Australia and New Zealand in the T20 World Cup from Dubai. We're going right through the night on SEN. We've started with our World Cup party. You're involved, one 736 736 433 98 to send us a temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. We've spoken to Tim Payne, Ian Healy, Simon Kadich. We've got Chris Rogers, Gavin Robertson, Robert Craddock and Peter Lawler to come. And then Anthony Hudson takes it up at 10 o'clock with what you've lived through the night. Yeah. The sporting events that you've lived through the night. Those texts are coming through. I've parked all of those for Hutto. We're working through songs, Flem. So I'll just give you a quick feel for how the people are thinking. Yeah. I come from a land down under. Men at work. What about men at work? I come from a land down under. At land down under, at land down under, men there? at work, land down under. So if we were running a market, there would be a long odds on favourite for one. There's no spoilers. Dave, mm. ACDC, Highway to Hell, True Blues, due from Sydney. That so he got 10. number 10. Uh, he was an early, an early acceptor. Uh, the Angels, am I ever going to see your face again? That's from Shane. There was a question uh, so on the technicality, a crowded house in or a crowded house out? No, they're out. Out, yes. Okay. Lead singer, New Zealand. Ant went, uh, you're the voice, John Farnham. Midnight oil beds are burning. That was from Dave. Rose Tattoo, we can't be beaten. Uh, ACDC, Thunderstruck. Dave in Melton. There was Yothu Yindi, Treaty. And a plea for, uh, so there was, there were a whole set of In Excess songs that came through. Which way Millions. would you land? Yes. And we landed with Don't Change. And there's a whole catalogue of Paul Kelly suggestions. I, I wonder, it, has we reached the rockier phase? I feel like Paul Kelly might have missed out. So at 10 True every, Blue. Every person, men, every band mentioned there was played in the dressing yes, rooms. Yes, yeah. So well done, everybody. 10 True Blue, 9K San, 8 My Happiness, 7 Don't Change, number 6, quintessential Aussie dressing room anthems. The vibe has got a bit more Don't Change, you know, a rocky number. 
So we're rocking now in the Australian team. We're having a few beers, a few laughs. So it's another rocking number. The lead singer of this band, his great-grandfather, played Test Cricket for Australia. Oh, nice. And I, I, we got that confirmed. I was commentating in Sydney on a one-day game and mentioned and uh, the the, uh, the brother of the lead singer was in the C- C- SCG members and confirmed that Tom Garrett opened the bowling for Australia, I think, in Brilliant. 1880. It's, of course, I could have – there's a million songs. Beds Are Burning was played a lot, but um, the song underneath Southern Cross I Stand is about passion. So it's Midnight Oil and Power and the Passion. Power and the Passion comes in at six. I just want to float a little competition past you after our next yes. two guests. It's a throwback to the old classic catches with Channel 9. You used to have to go to the petrol station and get the coupon to fill in and see if you could get the seven in order. A, B, C, D. Wasn't that great? Oh, great competition. Maybe, maybe the best. So we've got a temper cloud pillow to give away each hour valued at $299. Thanks to temper, mattresses and pillows like no other. So I've got an anthem for Crash. It, it, I don't think as we move into the rockier numbers it's going to be there, but Crash, <laughs> is he is on the barricades to have this as the national anthem. And as he joins us tonight, let's give him a burst, <laughs> shall we? I can see Crash standing up in the back shed where he'll watch tonight with his hand on his heart, <laughs> singing along. Robert Craddock, hello. Jared, <laughs> you I love the way we pick up old themes, and you and I have spoken about that so many times. Would have loved to for it to be our national anthem, the Seekers. You know, we are Australian. It's as it, the, the tone was coming through my phone, but the <laughs> hips were going, the feet were going. And I just thought, it's it's us to the core, Flem, isn't it? It's a beautiful, beautiful number. I know it's not beds are burning, but it's a it it, it speaks for all of us from the from the outback to the desert, you name it. So well, I'm pumped for my segment now. Thank you. <laughs> you a little bit of, bit of three-way turf talk here, I reckon. We're gonna bring Pete Lawler in as well. Hello to you, Pete. Oh, we got Pete there. Yes, there you are, Pete. Welcome. I want to hear his suggestion. Now we've got you, Pete. Can you hear me, fellas? Yes, yeah, we've got you now. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, I was gibbering away there because I thought I'd been invited to Robert Craddock's 60th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, is it? I've come to the wrong house. It's a different party. <laughs> Although a little it's... nod to Crash, who just turned 60, and Gilly, who turns 50 today. Yeah. So, it, Pete, it is the party season. It is, fellas, it is. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, enjoying Flem's music collection, not quite up my alley, but anyway. <laughs> it's not necessarily up my alley, Pete. I am just saying the, the songs that were played after victories in the Australian dressing room. <laughs> Do you reckon... Flem, no, I didn't hear the Holy Grail, Hunters and Collectors. Any, do, any, don't go did it too ever... early, Crash. This is what you do. Oh, okay, sorry. investigating, but I like the suggestion. Peter, have you got anything for us? Yes, I'm going. What about Know Your Product by The Saints? The Saints That's got, as close to an anthem as I get. Uh, the Saints got played, but it was I'm Stranded. 
Oh, oh yeah. And, and probably the only ones that didn't make the top ten ones that interest me uh, the Sunny Boys. Oh, yeah. Alone with you tonight. Love it. Yep, yep. Radiators, Cruel Sea. That, we, we got a little bit that way, but but they, they, they didn't get played as much as this top ten, unfortunately. Beautiful. All right, let's get to the task at hand tonight. Crash, let's start with you. What, what's... What's at stake for Australia tonight, do you think, in the, the overall scheme of things where Australia's played very little cricket and done very little winning in recent times? Yeah, it, it's uh, – look, I, I do agree with, with uh, what Gideon Hayes has been saying, that we it's sort of a flashback to old-fashioned cricket, isn't it? Pat Cummins, the youngest player in the team at age 28, extraordinary, and a, quite an unconventional team. But so much is at stake because, as you say, this team needs a kill. It needs a trophy. And, Jared, I'm so intrigued by Justin Langer's future. That, to me, is the single biggest thing out of it. He's not actually playing. (laughs) But if they slap a trophy on the mantelpiece tonight and they win the Ashes, suddenly the conversation around Langer just completely changes, doesn't it? Like, has he changed his ways? He appears to mellowed. Uh, his contract expires in about eight months' time. Does he get an extension? I don't know. Do you really want your captain, Tim Payne, your coach going at the same time? I don't think you do. So there's so much at stake. There, there really is. And, and then there's the flow into the ashes. I mean, I, I've heard people say, oh, white ball cricket doesn't have any effect on the ashes. But we're talking mindset. We're talking about a team that hasn't had a decent kill for ages and they need this victory tonight. What do you reckon, Pete, it would mean to, to slap that trophy on the mantle, as Crash puts it? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I tell you what it would mean to lose it, or what I reckon it might contribute to, this rising narrative that Australia has lost its fear factor. Now, if they get beaten by New Zealand in a, in a World Cup final, that's it, isn't it? Fear factor is gone. It's, it, it's, uh, it'll never come back again. Um, good point around Langer. I think we're all looking at Langer in this. But let's not forget... There are a hell of a lot of people writing David Warner off for this, and as Cat Crash quite rightly points off, points out, sorry, not just for the T20. They were saying Warner was finished, and you know maybe he wouldn't get through the summer. Well, he's certainly up and about now, isn't he? That, that training on the hard wickets has done done a great job of him. And Matty Wade, mate, what a great story for Matthew Wade. Here's a bloke who's been dropped from all three formats some years back. He's come through a hero of the semi-final, so that's brilliant. And Zamps, very, very excited about Zamps. So they will, they will take some swagger out of this into the ashes if they win this. Uh, they'll take some swagger from just getting this far, I reckon. So, Pete, just going with the the Australian narrative, if uh, if they lose and they've lost that fear factor, what about on the other side for the Kiwis? You know, this is their. Uh, they generally make the semi-finals in World Cups. It's their first, uh, third final in a row. If they don't win. Do you think they'll continually be labelled that they, they do get bullied by the Australians in big games? Yes, yeah, yeah. And I, and I reckon that's one sort of key factor of that, that Australian reputation that will be lost, won't it? To lose on that stage internationally, the whole world watching on. Um, it'd be a great thing if they did it in some ways, wouldn't it? Uh, you you just got to respect these guys. They've made the finals the last two 50-over World Cups, haven't they? 20, yes. Um Brilliant side, brilliant effort. I, I love the way that New Zealand has gone about this. Quite counterintuitive. I mean, Australia have just stacked their order with names, haven't they? But uh, New Zealand, I mean, they've thrown guys up to, to open 
who've barely barely played much twenty twenty cricket. Um, they're a quirky team. They kind of tripped you up a little bit. Um, you know, Daryl Mitchell was the finisher. Now he's their starter. I mean, they haven't deserved before dinner. It's paid off. Good luck to them. Crash. So, in in the cricket that you've covered over the generations, that that dynamic between Australia and New Zealand, how, how would you describe it? Oh, tremendously one-sided, Jared. I mean, the, the the overpowering stat is over the last thirty tests between the two nations, spanning twenty-eight years, New Zealand's won one of them. I mean, if it, if they had a one-seven, you'd say, gee, that's not many, is it? They've won one in twenty-eight years. So it's, I've always felt in the big games, Australia has New Zealand in the head. And when you and Flem were talking, if they said, if you'd have said to me, oh, Crash, pick a song that's a theme for tonight, maybe it's I Got You by Split Ends because <laughs> that's Australia's domination over New Zealand. However, here's the thing. During the week, I had a chat to umpire Bruce Oxenford and he said to me, he said, you've got no idea what it's like to umpire New Zealand how easy it is and how they actually help you on their journey because they're so relaxed. He said, I stuff things up and they say, Bruce, chill out, doesn't matter. We didn't think it was out anyway. He said, it's an experience like no other team I've ever umpired in any grade, even, you know, a a grade cricket, uh, interstate or international. He said, they are so chilled, they take negative vibe out of the game. Now, Crash, are they the Ted Lasso of international (laughs) cricket? It's it's a good point, but I, I just so I, I'm struggling to work out which side we're on tonight, Flem. It, was it the super chilled New Zealand just overcomes the Australian aura and the vibe that's dominated for so long, or is it all oh, the big brothers kick in again, the old warriors? So it's uh, we'll know in the morning, but it'll be <laughs> it'll be uh, A or B, nothing in between. Well, what's your strategy, Pete? What what have you? How are you attacking it? Uh, I've messed up, Jared. I've had an, an afternoon nap, so I'm going to have to just drive right through. So I'm about to have a coffee and just uh, tune in to you guys for the rest of the evening. But um, hopefully I can hang on. I have to admit this. I actually fell asleep with two overs to go in the semi. There <laughs> <laughs> are big two you're overs to get through. You're awake for 20 hours on end <laughs> and you miss, miss the best bit. Anyway. That is, that's the lament of the sports fan. Do, do you... Are you convinced, Pete, the way that Australia now shapes up coming into this final? Oh, yeah. I've got them as clear favourites in this game. Absolutely. I mean, as much as you can have any team as clear favourites in, in a 2020 match, or, or um, I think they're miles ahead. I'll, I'll be putting my money on them if I was a betting person. So I want to walk through each of you with this question, and you first, Pete. So Australia's... Um, interest in T20. So Big Bash rockets onto the scene, enormous success, plateaus. Internationally, slow take-up, I reckon. Clearly third of the three formats. But worse than that, the suspicion for a while that it was actually killing our test cricket. That's I think that's eased. Could Australia winning tonight, knowing that we host the tournament next in October, what what do you think it could do for our relationship with the format, our interest in the format? Well, I don't know, Jerry, because I still think that World Cup aside, that T20 international matches are, are a lesser format. I'd always prefer the domestic tournament. Haven't thought it through, but it, it, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great boost, isn't it, for next year's World Cup in this country? Uh, 
But to my mind, T20 internationals just go away until World Cup comes round, and that'll do. Crash, what do you think? Yeah, there's a bit, a bit like the Olympics. They really sleep between times. I reckon. You know, the bilateral series. Remember Ravi Shastri in his farewell um, press conference. He sort of said, "Look, I'm not big on the bilateral stuff," and you could say that about T20. But I must say this, Jared. That T20 World Cup in Australia next year is going to be far bigger than anyone thought it was going to be. Like, it was just going to be a nice little adjunct at the start of the season with probably South Africa coming over. It will be huge. I mean, just driving around today, talking to people, how are you staying up tonight? Are you looking forward to it? And this is in the middle of the night where it's difficult. Like, when everything's presented on a platter next year, it will be absolutely huge. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel a bit that way. So, what, have you got a strategy crash? Is Where, where are you going to grab your naps? Uh, I'm going to, as soon as I'm off the uh, phone to you, I'm going to try and get about an hour and then I'm up. And then, uh, but the thing is for me, Jared, I'm getting so old now that I fall asleep. <laughs> but the, the other night, Kerry O'Keefe sent us this, uh, this video. The boys got him to, to send one and he said, it saddens me that a lot of people are reading your work now when they're renovating old Queenslanders and digging up the lino and your articles are under the under the lino on the, on the newspaper. <laughs> uh, very good. Hey, Crash, I, I'm going without sleep, so we'll talk at 10 o'clock in the morning and we'll see how we sound by then. I'll be there. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> good idea. See you, mate. Pete, enjoy. I look forward to chatting to you about it in the aftermath. Thanks for inviting me to the party. Guys. Thanks, boys. The country's best cricket writers, Robert Craddock and Peter Lawler, joining us in our World Cup party. Let's take a couple of calls and then we go to number five yep. in our countdown. Roy's in Templestowe. Welcome to you, Roy. G'day, boys. How are we? How is Jared? How is Flem? Hey, Roy. I feel like I've got the Quinella with these, with these songs. <laughs> um, Jimmy Barnes, Working Class Man. Mm-hmm. And Bon Jovi, It's My Life. Okay. Um, and I wanted to also mention um, Adam Gilchrist. Absolutely. You had Tim Payne on the airways before and Ian Healy. And that was uh, Adam Gilchrist, 50 years. Absolute legend. Being born in, born in Perth, born in, raised in Perth. And everyone had the number 18 on the back of their jumper as a kid growing up. He is legendary, all right. Just a freak of a player. Great man, Adam it's- Gilchrist. Good stuff, Roy. Billy's in Ascot Vale. Hello to you, Billy. Oh, have I got you there, Billy? Let's uh, let's rattle around and uh, and find. Oh, yes, B- Billy, start again, yeah. mate. I've got you now. All right, all right. Uh, looking forward to tonight. Um, my two songs are Elton John, "I'm Still Standing," and David Bowie, "We Can Be Heroes." And if you want someone Australian, maybe Kylie Minogue. I should be so lucky. I wonder <laughs> if there will be any Kylie Minogue in the the top five here. Uh, Billy, good on you. All right, so here's the bounty for the pillow. I've got, I've got provisional top three, but here's what we want to do. If you can get Flem's top three quintessential Australian dressing room songs in order, you get the pillow. And, I and if there's multiples, chance. we will go whoever lands first. So I would think cliches are cliches They're for cliches. a reason. Yep. Because that's where you're going you're to default to oh, this, this, and this. Of massive bands. If you can get the three in order, 0433 98 11 16, the temper cloud pillow is yours. And this goes back to the old classic catches where you had to go down to the petrol station, get the coupon, and put them in order, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You had to get the seven in order at the end of the summer. 
best sporting competition of my <laughs> lifetime. Just terrible that we don't do it anymore. It's just so brilliant I want more and simple. ideas like those, though. You loved it, didn't you? And so difficult to get right. Yeah, yeah. The it, commentary team all put in. If you get the it, three this is in harder. order. This is probably harder. No, it's not. Flim's quintessential dressing room top three in order. I reckon you've got 10 minutes to get them through. 0433 98 11 16. You're at five. Yeah, number five, and um, it's the most popular one there. And uh, as I said, we, we, we've had a few. We, we're starting to charge up, and, and it's it's ending up like a karaoke night. So it's men at work, down under. So this is a boil over for me. That was the dollar eighty five favourite to be one. Yeah, that's at five. That knocks me straight out. I'm straight out you, of the trifecta for the pillow. Yeah, I clearly, yeah, I thought this will absolutely be and top so three. And so did most people there. And I think it, I think on my list it was going to end up one. So I like it. I can't wait to see what happens next. Yep, yep. Just quickly, yep. best version I've heard of that. Yep. Myself and Greg Blewett commentating in the 2007 World Cup over in West Indies, Antigua. The band, Richie Richardson and Kurtley Ambrose, yep. the dreadlocks or whatever they're called. Doing their round, and then halfway through it, because we were there, um, they punched out down under. Oh, nice. Well done, Richie Rich. He had the Bluetooth off, and you guess who did the sound check? Tell me. Curtly. <laughs> Never heard him he talk did. on the field, and he did the sound check. Damien Fleming, our World Cup party. Chris Rogers, your call's next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Guesses are pouring through in order, Lee. Never tear us apart, K-San. Great oh. Southern Lands. Uh, K-San, True Blue, you're the voice. Tim in Epping, as we've had a couple of these already. We are the champions. Holy Grail. Sound of Then. Ganga Jang. Uh, and a bit of blowback on Down Under being way too low. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, ahead of our next guest, Michael's in Bandura, SEN's World Cup c- Cricket Party. Hello, Michael. Hey, Jared. Hey, Flemo. How are you going? Very Mike. well. Oh, that's good. I've, um, I actually had to call up because I was thinking about it the other day. I called up about a few days before the competition had started, and I'll go out on a limb and say that I was questioning some of the selection and, and the poor form that some of our batsmen are in. But you know what? I'll come out and I'll be on a limb and I'll say kudos to David Warner, especially, I questioned him. He's been extraordinary this this whole series, and it takes a lot of character to do what he's done. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been super pumped in seeing how they've all played. I'm a big, big, uh, big bash fan, so I wanted to see how we actually converted going from big bash into the international format. And I don't know if we've got the right formula yet, but it's starting to click. It's starting to click. I, Michael, I can't wait. If Australia does win, I can't wait for tomorrow's calls as whether people are ready to recant. But I love Michael's 
call. Yeah, or whether they're going to hold to a line and go, no, it's, it's a fluke. We fluke a World <laughs> Cup. Do you fluke a World Cup? I don't know. Our next guest, part of our cricket family, Michael, great to have you there. Good on you. We've got the temper cloud pillow to give away this hour. Chris Rogers is going to be a big part of our commentary team across the Ashes. Buck, great to have you on board. Hello, Flem. Hello, Jared. Bucky, looking forward to a World Cup final. Oh, how could you not be? Um, yeah, it's exciting. Well, I guess a lot of people didn't think um, Australia would make the final. So um, to be there is, is, you know, that's an excellent effort. And then who knows uh, what's going to happen. It could all um, be decided by the toss even. So how significant... It- this is one of the really interesting mm. studies of this World Cup, and I wondered if it would change mm. in the semi-finals, but it's been amplified by the semi-finals. His runs on the board ain't what she used to be, Buck. No, well, I mean it's 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 pretty stock standard these days in in T20 to to chase anyway, but um, you know with the effect of the the dew over there as well, it's it's made winning from. Uh, um, batting first, uh, pretty pretty difficult. So, um, but you know, it's not impossible, and 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 hopefully either way, you know, Australia get up. Yeah, I mean, Bucky, Pakistan. Well, they almost had enough. Another ten runs. So there, there might be just need to be a little bit more intensity when you're batting first and, and back yourself. Um, what, what what do you make of um, our batting? I mean, there's been some some remarkable innings from from Warner and Co. and Wade and and Stoinis have, have saved us a couple of times. How flexible would you be with our batting order if we lose early wickets? Would you look at saving someone like Maxwell for those last half a dozen overs, or because we've got the extra batsmen, you just keep going hard? Uh, no, I think it, I, I mean I like the idea in T20. You're kind of almost batting in in um, specific zones throughout the, the 20 overs. So, you know, Glenn Maxwell, I mean, it, it, you want him really coming in after the after the power play and using his skill, particularly against spin bowling. So that, I think that that's, a, that's not a, a difficult one as such, especially when you've got, you know, a few of those guys in the middle order who, who open the batting in the big bash. So they've got the skills to go up front. I, I think they can afford to be a little bit flexible. Um, equally, you know, that they, they bat deep, so... Whoever goes in still has, um, you know, a bit of a license to, to push hard. How would you be as a coach when you lose a key player punching his bat after he got out? <laughs> how, how it's like you can't control everything, but Devin Conway, my goodness, what wow. an occurrence! Yeah, I, and I think that that is a huge loss because it's he's one of the the, the two left-handed batsmen for. Um, for New Zealand, and he's been a bit of a linchpin in that that middle order role, and and it's a tough role. It's one of the hardest roles um, in, in T20, I think, battling that that middle order. So, you know, he's been especially over there where you where you have to come in against um, against spin. So I, I think it's going to be a huge loss, and I, I'm kind of interested to see what they do in, in in with their order now. Do they push Nisham up higher, or do they leave him to to, to come in at the, the back end? Um, you know, and and I, but I still think Guptill's the key. He, he you know, his um, his average and and um, strike rate against Australia is pretty fantastic. But especially against Zampa, it's you know, it's off the charts really. It's it's over two hundred his his, um, his strike rate. So I think if Australia can um, dismiss him early, I think that that's going to go a long way to winning the game. Yeah, I think Guptill has to get through Mitchell Stark first. That's a, that's a major weapon for the Australians. But uh, for New Zealand, Trent Bolt um, is fantastic in all three forms, and and he's very dangerous within that power play overs. 
Yeah, I mean, I think New Zealand have got a really flexible bowling lineup. They have they have two bowlers at the top who can who can swing the new ball um, in Southie and Bolt. They've got the pace of Milne, who can you know who can bowl at different stages throughout the the, the match, especially at the death. Um, and they've got good spin options. You know, they've got Sodi and, and Sandler, who have good records against Australia, and and even Phillips if they need some defensive off spin as well. So. They've got a pretty good uh, and flexible uh, attack to, to cope with the conditions. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they um, use their matchups. What do you think of the um, pace versus spin, that, that tension piece as to how many overs are getting bowled of each and what it's looked like at the pointy end of the tournament? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think if you looked at the Australia versus Pakistan game. Um, I mean, spin came way out on top. Yet, uh, yet I think you know that the, the majority of the bowlers, the, the overs were, were, were bowled by um, by fast bowlers. So I think it was I, I can't even remember off the top of my head, but it, it was um, yeah, it was it was it was more for the fast bowlers. So I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, the really interesting one too is is Agar's record against New Zealand is is excellent, um, particularly now with one less left-handed batsman. So Australia talked about matchups at the beginning of the tournament. It's how do you fit him in, and, and if he was was to come in, who who would miss out? And I think that person would be coming. So I, I don't think that that's going to happen. No, that would be it would be a major shock to do it uh, from from this point. Australia's picked I think they'd need like a referendum before plan. they think about that. <laughs> but it's interesting because Agar's you know like Agar's economy against New Zealand's under under seven. Zamps is, is is closer to ten. Yeah, so, so you yeah. know you you've, you've he's got a phenomenal record, but yeah, it would take a it would take an incredibly brave selection committee to to make that call. I'm not sure they will. Buck, enjoy. Great to have you as part of the team throughout the summer. No worries. I'll be tuning in, guys. Enjoy. Good stuff. Thanks, Chris Rogers, Bucky. Australian opener, current Victorian coach. Now we've been given the formal endorsement here. Margaret in Sunbury is with us. Hello to you, Margaret. <laughs> Good evening, boys. I'm up for the party. Brilliant. I'm getting ready. I can't wait. I'm very, very excited. I'm hopefully that I can stay awake. I fell asleep the other night for Stornis and Warner. Uh, Matthew Wade, I couldn't believe it I did that. But I soon woke up. I only had a and about an hour was napping, and I was awake to hear the thrills and chills of Chuck and Sammy <laughs> for the excitement win. So I'm hoping I can stay awake tonight. Yes, is, is cricket on the radio is perfect for the insomniacs amongst us, Margaret, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I love it. I, I went to bed early the other night. so I, could, I turned the television off. I wanted to listen to Chuck and Sammy, and they didn't disappoint me. It was just a wonderful night. And as the same tonight, I've... TV off. I'm radio girl, as you know, and uh, I'm having a great night and and feeling excited inside. Uh, you know that I think we can do it too. I'm pretty feel a bit sure of myself tonight. I think we can do it. I was very I couldn't shouldn't say thrilled, but I was a bit pleased when I heard Conway wasn't playing because he was worrying me a little bit in the background, but. Nevertheless, we're going to get there. We've got a big day tomorrow, don't we, Margaret? Three o'clock tomorrow afternoon at Bansdale. So, uh, yeah, we've got a... Yes, I know. I know. We're the the favourite again, which I was a little bit surprised (laughs) by, Margaret, but you have such a following that 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 horse, I think, is based... It's favouritism based on your favouritism. So, Margaret, it's great to have you there. (laughs) 
She will be there. You have a good night, fellas, good as idea. we will hear. Bye for now. Thanks, Bye, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. <laughs> All right, we're going right through the night. Uh, Hutto's going to come in shortly. He's going to recount nights of sport that you've mm. stayed awake for. What, what have you sacrificed sleep for along the way? So there's many a story that instantly comes to mind. In a moment, actually, let's do number four now. So we Flem. can get to the top yep. three. So we can yep. get to the top three. Yeah, this this band, classic band, changed its name early on, and um, after having Down Under, big classic chorus getting sung, this complements it beautifully. It's Ice House, Great Southern Land. Word for me, that that's actually knocked out a whole bunch of trifectas. Yeah, <laughs> I can see how people there. would have had down under and, and great, great southern, southern land. land. All right, yeah. Flem's top three quintessential Australian dressing room songs. Gavin Robertson, a former teammate of Ooh. yours, is going to join the party before yep, it's fine done. Fine musician, great drummer too, Robert, and, and a temper cloud pillow to give away. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Beatles got the right idea, Flem. Should I be expecting some tism in the top three? We have reached the top three quintessential Australian in. dressing room songs. Love tism. No better live concert. Uh, True yeah. Blue, K-San, My Happiness, Don't Change, Power and the Passion, Down Under, Great Southern Land. It makes for a rich top three. Okay, so we're really into it. We're yep. celebrating big time here. Um, we just slowed a bit for some big anthems, Down Under and um, Great Southern Land. Now, we want to pump up again. We want to get going. And winning Ashes, winning World Cups, it's, it is it, it is the Holy Grail. It's Hunters and Collectors. Dozen putters who are live here with Oi. that in the box trifecta. And every Channel 10 40 staff member just broken out in a sweat wherever they are. Huddo's through the glass. Andy Mars <laughs> bang it home. That <laughs> takes you right back. But if you're following it, there's still some big ones out there. Yeah. I, I, I'm backing these people. Right backing them in. So I thought if we're going to take our musical theme the whole way, we can't do it without talking to an ex-teammate of yours and part of our SEN cricket team, Gavin Robinson. Yeah, six and out aren't in. <laughs> Gav, have great to have you on board. <laughs> Hey, Jared. Hey, Flam. What do you think of Flem's musical theme, Robbo? Is, did you have any control in dressing rooms around the musical choices? I used to love to tour with Flam. I'll never forget in 1994 when we got picked on the Pakistan tour. 
we were actually sent a letter, Jared, that said, can you nominate what CDs you're going to bring, what movie you're going to bring, or what game you're going to bring? And you're not going to believe this, but uh, Flemo introduced a band called The Offspring to that tour party, and nobody really knew the band. <laughs> and it was only about, it was probably about five or six years later, I went uh, with Steve Waugh's manager, Harley, to see them because he brought them out to Australia, and I saw him at the entertainment centre. But um, Flemo literally, if he's not talking to his family or he's looking at what food he's going to have that night, then the next thing he's doing is music. Yep, yep. And so you you were drumming. That You just used to drum in the background, didn't you? Well, I, I always loved drumming because my mother was a dancer and I used to dance, but I grew up in Dundas Valley. And then I got caught dancing when I was about 11. And in a really, in Dundas, you don't get caught dancing so i got in a little bit of trouble so i told mum i'm quitting dancing and i'm gonna she said you've got to play music and i i got straight into the drums so uh, i loved it great stuff it's fair to say your great mate steve war wasn't the most musical though i think i think god only gives you a certain amount of talent <laughs> and gifts and and he got um he got really good defensive stroke um he got he got the slog sweep he got the cut shot, and his other gift is that he's completely tone deaf, which is so beautiful. <laughs> That's brilliant. What do you think of tonight's World Cup final, Robbo? Oh, I think it's great that we made the final, um, but I'm actually concerned because I think, as Aussie fans, we'd love our Australian side to be as consistent as what New Zealand has been over the last 27 months, and I'm I'm pretty impressed with their their cricket. You know, I, when when we were growing up, you know, the three of us growing up, we used to not laugh at New Zealand, but we used to back ourselves to beat them day in, day out. Mate, they have been something else. I'm really impressed, and I think this is going to be an absolute cracking T20 final tonight. You'd be enjoying the, the spin work from both teams, Robbo. Yeah, I, look, I mean, it's a, it's a different... It is different. I mean, actually, there's been, as I find, I give them six more inches higher in flight and drop. They do take a few more risks. I think Adam Zampa is definitely probably the best in the world, but it's got a lot to do with that he bowls T20 type of spin bowling. And it's all to do with a mixture of change of spin, be it top spin, a skitter, a leg spinner, but it's also a flat pace. Now, he changes his pace, but he never goes up in flight. And you know me, Clemo, I was always searching for flight because I was also searching for a wicket. But, you know, even those days I did end up outside the fence a fair few times. But these days the T20 game is so dangerous that you can't do that. But I think Adam Zampa's mixture is the best in the world. And I think he's probably our primary spinner, but he's he's our primary bowler in this format. Robbo, great to chat. Enjoy the night ahead. Go get them, boys. I'm loving the music, too, so keep rocking it. Gavin Robertson with us. Righto. That brings us to number two, dressing room anthems. Okay. We're getting up there. So, um, oh, geez, we're enjoying the night. That was a great win. And Holy Grail's just got us back up, but absolute pump up. One of my favourite bands. And they had a few songs that we used to play to pump us up. But we wanted a real sing-along, and uh, the crowd added to this song and its uh, legacy. It's the Angels. Am I going to see your face again? 
I know what you're all doing. I know what you're all doing. Remarkable, isn't Crowd it? Pleaser. How how a song has a second life. Yes. Thanks to the crowd. <laughs> so to come. Damien Fleming will give you the number one Australian dressing room anthem in our World Cup party. And Anthony Hudson's about to take the reins the nights that you've watched sport and gone without sleep. And they do live in the mind. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Our World Cup Cricket Party, Anthony Hudson's about to join us. Hello, Huddo. Hello, Jared, uh, and hello, Flem. Bowtie, Jared, you've really dressed up for the for the party. It's fantastic, Flem hasn't, but you have. It's great. Are you going to the Brownlow? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus and Tim Tams for the overnighters. Andrew so. Dimitro was on the door making sure he had proper bow ties, not the not the you know, the one the players wear. Yeah, fantastic. You're going to take some Tobin Brothers talkback celebrating lives. Where are you going to take uh, us? Take your uh, into people's lounge rooms from years past, and maybe the reverse. We've already got some feedback where you were watching when you stayed up at night. I mean, we, I was thinking about staying up at night here, but the reverse, of course, is people around the world have stayed up yeah. to watch. Sport back in Australia, so we'll take all kinds. Cricket flavoured if we can, but I'm sure it's going to expand from cricket to other sports because we've all done it and we've also all had nights where where we've intended to stay up all night and we haven't made it past the first half hour. What are your early, without giving away too many of the great ones, what are you, I mean, staying up listening or even in bed listening to the transistor when you're a kid like the and hearing the, the BBC commentators talk about cake and Henry Blofield with his long ab coming in, blowing in the breeze from the southern end, that, that sort of thing. That's that's sort of my early memories. I thought you were Tony Gregg then. Oh, I don't know. I was a mixture of a few. <laughs> um, I would think, and it wasn't a great one for Australia, was um, staying up and watching the 1981 Ashes. Uh, yeah. You know, and both them ripping us apart. But a couple of those games, we were just about there and he, he took it away from us. Yeah. There are two instalments at Headingley, so they cover two generations now. Is Terry Alderman. Is, yes. So the two I think of are Terry Alderman and Greg Norman. Of, of right. sitting up yeah. all night. Yep. My favourite experience, though, was I was on the night that Hewitt and Baghdadis played right through the night. <laughs> yes. So I called that match. It started at midnight. It went five sets. And when we got out, it was daylight. <laughs> it had dawned. That was incredible. <laughs> uh, so oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen temper, a mattress like no other. And you can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Hutto's got pillows to give away. Our final duty in this two hours of the party, before we reconvene for the call, yep. is the number one Australian dressing room anthem. Yes, it's, this one's a big one. One of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. It's a song about touring and how hard it is. And when you play cricket all around the world, there's some very tough tours in the subcontinent or being cold in England. And uh, it leads into it by going, I tell you, folks, it's harder than it looks. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Akadaka.
I can see that in a field-up dressing room. Does that beat horses by Justin Rayner? Just a little bit. Alfie, if you are listening, get horses off your off your CD player, Spotify, and get Akadaka on. So no one got Alf. the three. There are all sorts of derivatives that had one of the three, but Not I haven't two. even got one that's got two. It's a long way to the top. I'm ever going to see your face again. Holy grail. The top three anthems. Yep. So this hour's winner of the Temper Cloud Pillow, thanks to Temper, mattresses and pillows like no other. Jeff's in South Australia. My young fella has set his alarm for the cricket. I have an RDO and uh, he's going to get the day off school <laughs> with the Patriots and the Browns on at 4.30am. <laughs> We approve that style of parenting. Anthony Hudson takes the reins. Our World Cup party continues. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Good evening, everyone, and uh, great to be with you as we continue our coverage, building up to our live call of all the action from 1am when Jared and Flynn are back, Sam Hargraves and Darren Berry, who have been doing a fantastic job calling all the action. They'll bring you all the lead-up, all the teams and the, the coin toss. I've got plenty of great guests who are going to join me in the party. Simon O'Donnell will be keeping the old fella uh, up uh, a little later than normal. I suspect he'll join us. Get his, What a player, what a T20 player he would have been, uh, I'm sure. Simon O'Donnell, Simon Helmet also, who's a T20 tactician, just to give us a bit of the analysis uh, on the game and uh, how T20 has evolved, who he thinks will win tonight. Adam Collins from the UK, uh, Barrett Sanderson will join us as well, Nerily Meadows, we're going to cross to shortly. She is in Dubai ahead of uh, the World Cup final between Australia and New Zealand. So we'll get the feel from uh, from Nez and also Lisa Stalaker, of course, who we hear and see right across the summer. How I'd love to start tonight, and we've got uh, a prize to give away, as uh, Jared and Flem have been doing, and they've entertained us through the first couple of hours of our ICC SEN World Cup cricket party uh, is uh, give away a temper cloud pillow uh, valued at $299 each thanks to temper mattresses and pillows like no other is reminisce with you about uh, the nights you've stayed up to watch sport whether it be cricket or other sports uh, what you've done to stay up late and just your memories would love you to give us a call we'll take plenty of calls 1300 736 736 or you can flick through a text on the temper text as uh, as plenty have the temper text and mattress like no other and of course uh, our calls with thanks to Tobin Brothers the to Tobin Brothers talk back Tobin Brothers celebrating lives plenty of SMSs or uh, temper texts coming through so we'll we'll get through those as soon as we can just to give you a little bit of flavor we have to start we have to start of course given who's just been on with that 1999 semi-final uh, the World Cup semi-final Be but uh, before we relive a bit of phlegm magic uh, let's go to Muzzer in Geelong who's our first caller and can tell us who he stayed up for or to, uh, to watch or to listen to over the years. G'day, Muzza. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I've actually got a hardo sitting beside me with four legs and a tail, my guide dog. <laughs> Have you really? Um, yes, his name is Hudson and his nickname is Hutto. <laughs> yeah. is, is he a good dog? Bloody oath. Yes, yes. Um, now, I sat, I've sat up for two games only. I sat up the other night from midnight on Thursday till 10.30 Friday. To, to listen to um, the Pakistan game. Yep. And in 1980, I went to bed at 9 o'clock, woke up at midnight, and I watched the football marathon 
North Melbourne Brecky, under 19s, seconds, seniors. <laughs> My mother dished up lasagna that she'd never cooked before that was garbage. And I fell asleep and she sent me to bed. Right. And oh. I was only an 18-year-old then. Right. But, uh, um, I'm sitting up waiting for, for Heckle and Jekyll to come on. Yeah. That's Sam and Darren. Yeah. And you asked them, asked them as mother got a lab report. Righto. It's a joke. It's okay. a joke. Okay. Nice, Muzza. Great to hear your voice, mate. We've heard Thank it you. many times over the years and appreciate you calling uh, calling through with some great memories there. Here's one uh, at the age of 13, staying awake to listen to Australia beat the West Indies in 1995 to win the Frank Worrell Trophy. Well, yeah, that's a great memory. Um, I can remember the early days, I certainly of um, when I was young, of cricket from the West Indies because we, we we didn't see it. In fact, I think 91 from memory was the first time we saw live cricket out of the Caribbean as the West Indies were still a dominant force and it took till 95 to, for Australia to win that Frank Worrell Trophy as one of our listeners has suggested. I think Steve Wall made 200 mark Wall. The Wall brothers were, were dominant then and Steve really took it up to, to Kirtley Ambrose. But um, that, that's, a, that's a great memory. But until... In the early days, it was just radio. In fact, I remember listening to Dean Jones make his debut. I got no idea what time of the night it was, uh, but he made forty-eight, I think, on debut. And you know, obviously, Alan Border was uh, leading the resistance in those days. But you really had to use your imagination with radio from uh, the, both in England, but particularly in, in places like uh, in the Caribbean where you, you hadn't seen live action. So there's a fantastic memory. Of course, we're not just getting cricket memories; we're getting um, we're getting other sports as well. Uh, Mark from North Ball and lots of early mornings, late nights, uh, listening, uh, watching Weber and Ricardo winning GPs, especially in Monaco. Uh, Norman's British Open in uh, in '93, number one, but the number one has to be Cadell Evans in 2011. Yes, I think there was a lot of a lot of cycling experts around about 2011. That was an incredible performance from Cadell, and uh, obviously he came back home after that and had a hero's welcome in Melbourne, and that remains one of the great uh, one of the great nights, doesn't it, in terms of uh, of Australian sport? Keep those messages coming through. 0433981116 on the temper text, or give us a call 1300. 736 736. Before we speak to Dave in Melton with the sport or an event that he's stayed up for, let's relive that chaos and heroics of the 1999 World Cup semi final between South Africa and Australia and that uh, dramatic run out. There it is. They go for this. will be out, surely. running with two balls to go. Donald didn't go. Kruzner come. What a disappointing end for South Africa. <laughs> disappointing end to South Africa, that's for sure. Uh, Klusner had belted them everywhere, but uh, the great Damien Fleming played a pivotal role in that, and hasn't he uh, lived on the glory of that and a few other great moments over the years? But they were incredible moments, that for sure. Uh, Headingly 2019, I hardly slept thanks to Ben Stokes, and I wasn't the only one who shuffled into the office bleary-eyed and disappointed. Well, Headingly has, has been a, a venue, hasn't it, I think, as, as Jared referred to earlier, and, and uh, Flem back back in 1981 with Ian Botham and he's 149 and uh, and uh, famously Lily and and uh, Marsh thought the odds were too good not to not to have a little bit of and uh, they were tough times for Australian cricket fans in those days staying up and watching or listening to uh, Australia uh, perform so poorly the America's Cup now that's come through as well strongly that was 
from my memory, that was early morning. I was obviously um, late night uh, and into the early morning. But and then the, the famous Bob Hawke uh, with his uh, his words about uh, making sure that uh, uh, not sacking your workers if they come in. Uh, let's go to Dave in, Dave in Melton. G'day, Dave. Thanks for joining us, mate. G'day, Hara. G'day. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, for me as a kid was when Pat Cash won Wimbledon. Ah, yeah. I so... stayed up all night, but the best was the next day with all the dorks wearing the headband. <laughs> so that was 87, I think, wasn't it? How old were you then, yeah. Dave? Oh, I was about 14. Yeah, okay. And were you a tennis fan or were you just sort of um, staying up as part of a – because an Aussie was in the Wimbledon final, which we didn't see too often in those times. No, I just love watching the tennis. Like in those days, you got Connors and Edinburgh and all these players. You know what I mean? Watch them and Cash, and to see Cash come through was was really good. He beat a lot of good players. No one remembers that. Yeah, no, that's true. We had the likes of Ivan Lendl and Edberg, as you said, and um, around about that era. So, yeah, Cashy was a great favourite. Of course, climbing up into the crowd, everyone remembered that. It being the first person to do that, and they still. Some of them still do it these days. Good on you, Dave. Thanks for um, thanks for staying up and joining our World Cup party here on SEN as we lead into Australia versus New Zealand. Uh, Brent from Yapoon has sent through. First cricketing memory was from 87 Ashes when I was 12 and Terry Alderman swinging around corners. Uh, maybe an 89, that one, but... Um, uh, and first ever memory was the 83 America's Cup. So, uh, yeah, sharing that memory with so many Australians, that's for sure. Uh, 2005, watching the Tour de France, had zero interest in bike racing, but that got me hooked. Last time Lance won, watch it every year. Now, it's sort of like watching live a live tourist party, isn't it, as you're just touring around the amazing sights through France and any other country it goes through on any particular year. And then, obviously, if you're into your cycling, it's a, a magnificent sporting event as well. Uh, here's another. Woke up at 2 a.m. in 2014 to listen to Ryan Harris on one knee, bowl out South Africa in Cape Town to win the Test Series. Yeah, Ryan Harris, what a player he was uh, when his body would allow. So there's a, a great memory there. Uh, evening, gents. This is Richie from Terrelgan. My overnight event was Black Caviar and the Diamond Jubilee Stakes. So I was in Monash Cardiac Ward with four other recovering heart patients. We all woke up. We all had major money on it via my phone betting account, and we all watched it on our TVs. Really didn't need that finish. True job quality test, but uh, party time for all of all five were admonished for the noise <laughs> and then tranquilized. Got the mate to grab everyone's cash the next day. Great story there from Richie in Terrelgan. Uh, let's move to Murray from Perth, who's called through with a memory. G'day, Murray. Or have I jumped ahead? In fact, we'll go to we'll go to BJ first before. No, we'll go we'll go to Murray. Sorry about that. My apologies. Hi, Murray. Are you there, Murray? No, I don't think uh, I don't think he is. He's just uh, somewhere in the in the distance there. We'll, we'll go back and try BJ, will we? See if he's. Hello. Yeah, BJ. No. Um, in the meantime, just a reminder that you can send your, your text through, and plenty of people are in the Temper Cloud Pillow to give away each hour valued at two hundred and ninety nine dollars each, with thanks to Temper. Mattresses and pillows like no other. Uh, 
Jake sent through tonight will be one of the greatest. Minwoo Lee is two shots back in Dubai, actually. Uh, yeah, just around the corner. I'll have to keep an eye on that because that'll be getting to uh, the business end at the moment in the European Golf Tour, followed by Australia winning the World Cup, while Ricardo storms from 11th to take the Brazilian GP. And then we need to cheer him home. So plenty of sport going on. Uh, John's pointed out, love being in Western Australia. Uh, with the final starting at 10pm. They do get a lot of advantages over there in Perth, that's for sure, in terms of being able to stay up. Here's one the other way from Craig. Just crawled into bed with the headphones on, alarm set for 12.45. Last time I did this was when I was in Texas for the Pies versus Tigers preliminary final. Hopefully the same result, and hopefully Maxi pulls off a Cox-like performance today. So there's one the other way. Um, plenty of, uh, of great contributions. David in South Morang was staying up all night for the Australia-Pakistan one-day World Cup final at Lords, but the Aussies destroyed them and I went to bed after midnight after we won. It was a bit of an anti-climax, that one, wasn't it, after what we'd seen in the semi-final. But, um, yeah, some great memories from that era. Uh, we might take BJ's call now from Essendon. Uh, g'day, BJ. Thanks for staying up and joining our SEN World Cup party. Cheers, Hello. That's really good listening. Um, yeah, it was 2001, I think, and if me and a few of my mates were meant to go to Heat Nightclub on a Sunday night, but um, we couldn't go yet until we watched the end of Rafter and even if it was Wimbledon final. So that was, a, Which, um, that was a Monday night, wasn't it, I think? A Monday, it was a Monday, yeah. yeah it was Monday. And because it had and, been um, a rain, it had been rain delays in that tournament, so it was a Monday night, there was a whole different crowd in there, wasn't it? It was a bit wild compared to the normal uh, Wimbledon crowd. It was, and um, we're all cheering Rafa, but I've got to say, deep down, even Izovic was my favourite player at the time, so I didn't mind um, in the end, but it was very bittersweet. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a bit sad for Paddy, but uh, yeah, what a, yeah, great memories, as I said, it was a, a Wimbledon final like no other, so that's, um, that's a great call and a great memory. Nick from, thanks for calling through, PJ, really appreciate that. Nick from Geelong says a memory of waking up Australia versus Japan in the World Cup, Kale coming on to score twice. And winning the game was worth it. Yes, I guess there's a few. A 2006 World Cup. Um, I think some of the games early were uh, were probably at a more reasonable uh, reasonable time. Kaiser Slouten, one of the great uh, venues, of course, for watching sport, uh, was at it a, a manageable time. But uh, as we got a bit later on, and the Italy game was very late in the night or early in the morning. Uh, as we head to the break, some more flying through on the temper text. 1980 centenary test at Lords with centuries to Graham Wood and Kim Hughes. That was pretty much rain wreck, but yeah, one of Kim Hughes' finest innings. And Craig Johnston in the FA Cup. How good were the FA Cups in those early days when we had an Aussie playing for Liverpool? So some fantastic memories. Keep them coming through. We're going to catch up with a whole lot of guests. We're going to head to Nerily Meadows next when we return. She is in Dubai, but we'll keep you going with some of the great memories from the past and some of that we'll play some of the highlights from, uh, from the years as we stay up and get ready for Australia versus New Zealand. It's our SEN World Cup party. The Tobin Brothers talk back one 300 736 736 celebrating lives. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party.
Yes, we're with you right until and then once the first ball is bowled, all the action will be called a little later by Jared, Damien Fleming, Sam Hargraves and Darren Berry. Sam and, uh, and Chuck have been calling all the action all the way through and they'll be with Flem and Jared for the final between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we're getting closer, but we've still got a few hours to go and that means staying up and it means remembering other times. And I know a lot of our listeners start all the time, particularly with the EPL and other overnight sport, but the big, big ones we're talking about and some of your memories from over the years. Uh, so we're happy to take your uh, reminiscence about doing just that. And Murray uh, from Perth has uh, called through. G'day, Murray. Thanks for joining us. You with us there, Murray? Th thanks yes, for joining us. here, Murray. Uh, how are you going, mate? Is that hello? It is, yes. Hey, how you going, mate? Yeah, um, uh, the, the America's Cup, I think, is the greatest uh, event that's ever when, when Australia won that. Yep. Alan John Bertram, and then Bob Hawke telling he's anybody sacks anybody, they're a bum. They're a bum. Staying ah. up and watching it. Yep. So, were you in Perth at the time? Yes, I was in Perth. Yes, I was, I was working, but it was early in the morning, so uh, I watched on the, the whole office just stop working, and it was it was the greatest thing out there. Eh? Well, it was. And, I mean, we weren't really experts. We didn't. A lot of Australians didn't know a lot about certainly competitive yachting, but we did. We did for a while in those years, didn't we? We all became experts on tacking and all that sort of stuff. Well, no one ever took it off the Yanks, did they? No. No, they didn't. We were the first to take it off the Yanks. T tell us about living in Perth, watching sport overseas at night. It must be much easier. Well, it's a, it's a bit easier. What's the start at 11, uh, 1 o'clock um, tonight? Yeah. So it's 11 o'clock here. So, so we'll have to go to uh, sleep event about 7 o'clock. About eleven o'clock, and then four hours, and then take it away from there. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's a bit different. I mean, sorry, no, that's all right. You go. No, it's a bit, it's a bit different. I mean, um, uh, I, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get it on um, on Ko, but something's wrong with the um, system, and we can't get it on there. So I'll, I'm going to put the alarm on, and I'll, I'll wait up and listen to you boys. Good stuff. All right. Thank you, Murray. Hopefully you can uh, get that KO working. But if not, uh, as I said, we've got, or even if you can, you can get uh, both going and, and listen to the call and, and watch all the action as we count down here on SEN. Uh, we can head to someone who is a lot closer to the action than we are. She's at the Dubai International Cricket Stadium and uh, she has uh, been working over there uh, with uh, during this uh, whole tournament and, of course, uh, the IPL. She's quarantined about half a year to do so, I think. Is Narrowly Meadows. Hello, Nez. Hey, you got me. <laughs> I've got you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So they're just doing the uh, anthems rehearsal, so it's pretty loud here. But um, atmosphere already building, shall we say, in the UAE. <laughs> Very good. Great to hear your voice. Great to chat to you. Um, how's it? General question. How's it been? Oh, it's been so much fun, Hutto, honestly. I've been here, as you said, for more than two months now with the Indian Premier League and then into this World Cup final. And honestly, to see fans back in the stands, the Pakistan-India match, for example, most watched match on Star Sports in their history. Wow. Just a huge event. You could barely hear each other talk to be able to answer and ask the questions. Uh, unbelievable atmosphere. Everyone was just so hungry to be back at live cricket. 
and now we all find ourselves with uh, Australia up against New Zealand and whatever happens tonight, there'll be a new winner. So let's just hope it's the Australians. Hey, I'm allowed to say that on Aussie radio. <laughs> yeah, you probably are. You're probably not when you're working over there, but um, it's... I mean, it's two teams that probably weren't expected to make it. Certainly Australia wasn't with our form leading in. So how has the tournament gone from your point of view firsthand from that Australian point of view? And particularly, we've almost been able to use the us us against them theme, which is not something that Australia's teams can use too many times over the years. Absolutely, Hado. We'd only won four out of 15 T20 internationals all year leading into this. So, I mean, most people thought we were no chance. We had never played Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins in a T20 international together before, which tells you a little bit about where it sort of lands, I guess. But heading into World Cups, it does become the biggest deal in cricket at the time. So all attention, all efforts were then put in for Australia into this tournament. But whether or not we'd gotten the right formula, we had four um, all-rounders in this squad and whether or not that was right. But at the end of the day, what had ended up happening in that semi-final was that our batting depth really shone through. Having Matthew Wade come through, knowing that we still had Cummins and Stark who can throw the bat around as well, certainly helped uh, Australia. So perhaps this is the time that we uh, get that first T20 trophy in the cabinet. But for New Zealand, as you say, country of 5 million, they've managed to make it three ICC finals in a row, which is just insane, really. Test championship earlier this year, the 2015 One Day Cup, which they obviously lost to Australia at the MCG, and now the T20. So England just keep overachieving. How have you been, how close have you been, with all the COVID restrictions and so forth, how close have you been able to get to the teams and I guess to Australia, I guess, to get a sense of the camp during the, during the time? It's not not too bad, Hutto. Um, it's certainly better than, for example, the Indian Premier League was last year. We've been able to do our hostings from on the ground. So we have access, you know, people obviously aren't supposed to come up and give you a hug and a kiss, but they do anyway, because if you see a friend on the other side of the world, you know, if Justin yeah. Lang is walking past, he comes up and says hello, you kind of kiss a little bit. So um, we've gotten certainly gotten access in that way. And then when you're friends with people on the WhatsApp and all that stuff as well but yeah too bad actually not as great as what you normally it'll be interesting to see what happens after the final if they do win what happens and whether you know bets are off the table and everyone's just hugging and celebrating <laughs> together once the bow bubble is busted but well just we've just lost you there narrowly and we'll see if you can it's uh, obviously we're at the whim of uh, various Wi-Fi networks. Yeah, I've got you uh, back. I've got, got, you, back, got you back. Yeah, yeah. H- have you had the sense that it, that it is a happy Australian camp? I mean, everyone's happy when they're winning, obviously. But there's a there's obviously the backdrop of the Ashes, and there's there's definitely pressure on on Justin Langer as well. So uh, it's obviously been an out. They're definitely enjoying themselves. I'm sort of getting you in and out a bit. <laughs> yep, I've, we've got you. No, we did have you. <laughs> yeah, so it's fr- it's uh, frustrating. We've all been there with with uh, with Zoom crosses and so forth in the in the past year or so. Yeah, um, I think we've got you again there, Nez. You were talking about Australia and how happy the camp has been. I'm I'm trying to stay as as still as humanly possible. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's been, it's, they've been a happy camp. I mean, they they get to go golfing over here within the bio bubble and things like that. David Warren, 
out of form with organizers being the team man that we know he can be. And he's managed to find runs. He's a leading run scorer for Australia this tournament, averaging over 40. So he's a happy man. Um, so the team is going really well. And when you speak about Justin Langer, it's interesting, isn't it? Into this so much pressure and so many question marks over Justin Langer's captaincy, all of a sudden they're into a CC World Cup final. If they win this, that helps. And then if they go on and win the Ashes, all of a sudden it's a distant memory, all the talk about the coach. But they definitely seem to be in a really good place in each other's company. We won't push it anymore, Nez. Uh, great to hear your voice. Great uh, work, as always, from over there. Uh, enjoy the end, and I'm sure we'll be happy to see you back in Australia soon. And fingers crossed you can enjoy the party over there in Australia, get to get over the line tonight. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Hato. I'm very glad that New Zealand knocked out the Poms because it's NASA Hussein walks past me at the moment. I reckon they might have got the better of us, but let's hope we get the better of the Kiwis. Good stuff. Uh, Neroli Meadows joining us from the Dubai International Cricket Stadium as we count down to the World Cup final between Australia and New Zealand and to your SEN World Cup party. Our Tobin Brothers talkback number is 1300 736 736 celebrating lives. And you can flick us a temper text, as plenty of people has, on 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. We're going to get the insights uh, into uh, modern T20 cricket and uh, the thoughts of Simon Helmet. Also, Simon O'Donnell going to join us. Lisa Stalaker a little later, as well as Adam Collins uh, to get the, the uh, feel from uh, from Colo in, in England before he flies out and joins us for the Ashes. So all that and a whole lot more. Be part of our World Cup party here on SEN. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. And welcome back to the ICC T20 World Cup final party here on SEN. And I wanted to explore a little bit um, and maybe educate myself, but but everyone as well, just on the, I guess, the progression of T20 from when it started as a bit of hit and giggle to where it's at now. And a, a man who has spent a lifetime playing and then coaching cricket, we knew him best, I guess, in charge of both Victoria and the men's Melbourne Renegades. A few years ago, he's coached all over the world in T20 and he's now in charge of the Renegades women's team. And they're going great guns at the moment. He, I'm quite jealous. He joins us in the northern part of the country where it's a lot warmer than it is in freezing Melbourne, Simon Howard. Thanks for joining us. It certainly is. Hello, beautifully and balmy here. About 26 degrees, I reckon, here in Mackay. We've got a few more games to go before the finals. But uh, how exciting is tonight? I, I cannot wait for tonight's game. Uh, it's the fact the Aussies are in the final against the Kiwis, who are always, always prevalent in, uh, in World Cup competitions. Should be an unbelievable match. Are you surprised that these two teams have made it? Um, no, I'm not surprised, but they weren't my first pick. Mm. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the Caribbean lads have been so good over so many years in this T20 format. Uh, India, you can never write them off. And England were the form team. So you know, there, there's two or three teams that we thought were definitely going to be in the final. New Zealand are always up there. And so you'll be very careful to dismiss them. They, 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 get, you know, they played in the one-day format most recently. They won the Test Match Championship and, uh, and now they find themselves in a T20 final. But for the Aussies, I don't know, Hutto, I just saw that first team they picked and I really liked it. The biggest issue we had was our opening batters, uh, Finchie and Dave, um, if, if they could get away. 
Uh, but I love the way that we batted all the way from, you know, one to seven. And uh, unlucky for Agar and lucky for Richardson. But, you know, I just think that team has been really solid. And I think they're ready to go. And this could be our very first T20 victory. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. I'll get back to your thoughts on the, on the game and how it might get played in a moment. But it kind of led me there as, you, as you're talking through the, the, the various um, assessments of the teams and the expectations. After, what have we had, 15 years or so and, and probably 10 years of intense development of of uh, the IPL and uh, and top-level uh, mm-hmm. T20 cricket, mm-hmm. how much of it still comes down to luck versus uh, it being the shorter game versus all the analytics and the skills and the tactics and the matchups that we now see? Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's luck, Hutto. I think you can try and uh, formulate a team, a strategy and matchups according to conditions, the opposition you're playing, that's going to help you win the game. There's, there, look, there's a couple of, you know, one-inch moments, aren't there, where a ball may just travel just over someone's fingertips at deep mid, mid-on or deep square leg. There might be a no ball that's just over the waist or something like that. But most of the teams that are successful in this format, whether it be in franchise cricket or in international cricket, usually get their, uh, their strategy and their matchups right. And that's what Australia's done. That's what New Zealand's done. I mean, this is, this is an un- unbelievable contest. You've got two or three of the great fast bowlers of New Zealand in, in Trent Bolt and, 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 uh, and Saudi. And how's this, Hutto? We've got, we've got the international Australian cricket team's test match bowling lineup, minus Nathan Lyon, yeah. swap Zamper in for Lyon, Hazelwood Cummins uh, and Stark. They're, they're the guys who wear the white pants and the white shirt with the red ball. Yeah. They're playing T20 cricket, and they are all unbelievable. So I think the evol- you said the word, the evolution of T20 cricket has just showed us that the best players who can problem solve uh, work, their th- work their way through stressful situations. Often the players will do well in T20. It's an old person's game. And it's a spin bowler's game. And we all thought back in the day, as you said, 15 years ago, the spinners were going to be the death of them. Yeah. And the old player, they weren't going to be up to it. Well, it's quite the contrary. The most mature players, Matty Wade, he's been playing T20 cricket. He won a Champions League for Victoria back in 2008. Yeah. Now he's playing for his country in 2021. So experienced players and spinners are killing it. Zamps is the number one. I guess when I say luck, getting back to the question, I probably more mean how it can turn on one aspect of the game. You know, you've got all the other aspects um, sorted out, but then a Jimmy Neesham does what he did the other day to get New Zealand into the yeah. final, that sort of thing. No, no, that, that's a very fair point. It's a game of inches. So something can happen in the game which the whole thing can turn on its head. And we, and we saw that in the semi-final against, uh, against uh, Pakistan where just a little bit of luck goes Australia's way or a little bit of luck goes Pakistan's way and all of a sudden the momentum carries with that team. That's always been prevalent in, in T20 cricket. And look, I think if you do enough things right, um, it's a game of mistakes. Make less mistakes in the opposition, whether it be sundries or whether it be runouts or whether it be uh, obviously you know uh, costly wickets. But um, good T20 teams base their games on defence, and this game will be will be based on defence. We're basically looking at a huge matchup. Not that they'll play against each other directly, but Mitch Santner versus Adam Zampa will I think will be the difference in this match. Uh, Santner, very experienced. He's very good against uh, right-handed batsmen. He's got a lot of those two up against, except for Wadey and obviously David Warner. And Zamps, he goes to stumps. When in doubt, he just works to stumps, slightly with his wrong and slightly with his leg spin, but doesn't move far away from that. And that's where he's been most successful in recent times. 
the talk of matchups, and again, to, to educate, I suppose, or to enlighten um, our listeners, it was something that, I mean, I guess it's been around forever to a degree in, in cricket, but not really in the longer form compared to, I guess, the shorter the game is. So how much in your mind as a coach do you look at an individual matchup and then try and make it happen, um, whether that be the sixth over or the 15th over? Hello, captains will make a decision on who's going to bowl the next over according to who's on strike. Now, you and I both know in test match cricket when it goes to five days, you know, you know the guy's going to get on strike yeah. at, at some stage. But when, when Tim Southey goes around the wicket first ball to David Warner, as soon as he gets on strike, because they know that, you know, Stewie Broad showed us, that was the potential weakness. When, when Trent Bolt tries to get shape that ball into Aaron Finch's uh, front pad, First ball he faces, because we know if you get good batsmen out in T20 cricket, there's a good chance you're going to reduce the target or, in fact, you know, reduce the team capabilities with their score. And, and they're the matchups. Where in Test match cricket, it can be over time, over overs, even sessions. In T20 cricket, it's 120 contests versus 120 contests. You try and get a majority of those right, then you're in a good chance of winning the game. And it's exactly the same with batting orders. We see teams change their batting orders according to who the bowler's coming in. So, for instance, if Mitch Santner was doing really well against our right-handers, don't be surprised if a Matty Way gets promoted because we know that, you know, the ball's spinning into a left-hander, he can do really well. And that's where smart captains, smart coaches, smart teams can maybe have that element of edge. You call it luck at the start, and maybe there is a bit of that, but it's a bit of strategy that goes into it too to give you, give you that edge to hopefully win the game. Without getting too detailed, how far into the journey did, did this start to evolve along the way from where we started with Matty John, um, Andrew Johns playing for New South That's Wales? That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we had some crazy teams, didn't we? We had some crazy strategies. But, look, I, I think, you know, since the evolution of IPL, which in Champions League was right back in 2008, I think we started our T20 journey in, in Australia right back in 2005 six just before, you know, well before the Poms, you know, invented the game. Uh, in recent times, had a, you know, good teams, competitions around the world, coaches, uh, captains, they, they've, they've looked at this, they've studied it. The data analytics are important. Uh, that gives us some good evidence. But good captains have good gut feel. And the two best captains are the two best captains uh, in this final, in Aaron Finch and Kane Williamson. Having worked with Kane Williamson... Um, in, in the IPL with the Sunrisers yep. for many years. He's a real analytical coach, Hutter. He, he will go with the numbers. He will listen to his analytics man, his support coaches and others, to try and give himself the best chance to, to make the deal work. But under, under real pressure, he will go with his gut. Right. He will decide, no, no, on this situation, I, I'm just going to go with, I'm going to go with South, I'm going to go with Santner, I'm going to go with this bowl this particular time. And Finchie's quite similar. I mean, he's been one of the most experienced and successful T20 captains around the world. He'll really be looking forward to hopefully trying to lift the cup for his country in this particular game. Uh, and, and I know I know Finchie, um, not only if he, uh, if he gets it right with the bat, and, and I'll, I'll say that from the top, if him and Warner get away, I don't think we can lose. Yeah. I think do, that this do, is... Uh, this, this, yeah. I, I was going to say, do you think, in some ways, do you think Warner, I mean, and Finchie, are the, are the key to the whole match in a way? If, if one of those can succeed, that, uh, that Australia will have a big chance? I, I think it's a massive chance. I think if they get away as a partnership or individually, I, I find that New Zealand are going to struggle. I don't think they have the batting depth and the strength that we have. Um, 
our matchups against Southie and Bolt, who are their most influential bowls with Santner, they're, they're going to rely on those guys for wickets uh, at the beginning and Santner to hold us at bay in the middle. But if we have Finchy and Warner go well at the top, we've got so much depth uh, throughout the middle, we can keep going. Because we know if you know if Smith goes out, we know Saunders comes in. If Saunders goes out, we know we've got Maxwell comes in. And that's where, you know, in Dubai, where it's a smallish ground, a value for shots, that's why I reckon we have the advantage. And, and I know it depends on who your players are and all that, but are you, as a coach, are you more like a batting, would you rather have a batting-heavy team or a bowling-heavy team, as the, as the analysts call it these days? Oh, slightly batting. Batters win it for you, but bowls keep you in it. <laughs> um, bowl, you've got, you got to bowl really well defensively, and all good T20 teams around the world, both in franchise cricket and international cricket, are really good defensively. But if you've got a team that had the capabilities that can chase down any score, which I think the Aussies have with Mitch Marsh at three, I think I think we can chase down any score. And that's where, oh, look, I hope the toss doesn't influence it. Yeah. Um, we know in some of these venues, you know, with Jew, et cetera, you know, you win the toss. You, you know, Finchy could not wait to bowl, could he, against Pakistani? <laughs> the, the toss, the, 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 uh, the coin had nearly not even touched the ground and already a Finchy said we're bowling. So, look, I just hope that whatever we do, we'll be batter bowl first. Defence, we've got to be good, but batters do win your T20 championships. Yeah, so you think uh, I'll let you go and uh, get back to get ready for uh, to watch the game, but uh, do you think Australia will win? I've picked Australia since round one, so I'm not wavering from that. Go the Aussies. Of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> hey, great, great to catch up, Simon. Always great to get your insights. And uh, you, you're, uh, as I said, you're going beautifully up there at the moment with the girls with the Renegades. Hey, can I quick shout out to for our Renegades fans back in Melbourne? I know we haven't been uh, there lately, and uh, look, we'd love to be there if we do, you know, make the top and make the finals. But uh, yeah, thanks for all your support and all your fans, Renegades fans. Awesome stuff. All right, uh, terrific. Keep the good work up and uh, appreciate your time tonight. See you, Hado. See you, mate. Cheers, Simon. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. We're counting down to the first ball, which will be bowled at one o'clock. And a man joining us now, he's a familiar voice to SEN Cricket uh, listeners. And now to more and more, in fact, he's taking over world cricket, it seems to me. Crick buzzers, Barrett Sanderess. And uh, Barrett, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Hado. It's all about the hair. <laughs> it must be. It must be. I tell you what, you're a superstar these days. Hey, what's your, we don't have you for long. What's your strategy for watching tonight? Are you just and and during the tournament, are you just ploughing on through, or do you have a little little kip sometime today? No, I never risk a kip, Hado. I just uh, power on and hope for the best the next day. Married to a teacher, so. I get a, an hour sleep because I have to wake up to walk, drop it off at school. So I have no rest at all. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> uh, very nice. Uh, how, are you are you surprised that we have these two teams in the final? <laughs> I'm, I am surprised, to be honest. I did pick Australia. I can ask Jared to make it to the semifinals. Yep. But for them to go all the way to the finals, uh, it, it's a surprise. It's a pleasant surprise. Uh, but New Zealand... You know, but that's the thing New Zealand do. They do nothing in the first half of all these tournaments. And they just like, you know, like come up on you. Suddenly you turn around and they're there in the final. Yeah, it does seem that way. Hey, what the, the injury to Devon Conway, do you think that's significant or not? Oh, it's significant uh, because he is their best player of spin in those middle order overs alongside Kane Williamson. And we've seen the impact Adam Zampa has had throughout this tournament. I, I mean, he's, uh, you know, my mic shot for a player of the tournament at this moment. So uh, that's a huge blow. And also, 
a huge blow to his parents. Uh, you know, there are some other parents there. Imagine the breakfast the next morning when they're sitting with Daryl Mitchell's dad for for example. Oh, indeed. Um, oh, it's a it's a terrible shame, and he's also going to miss the upcoming tour of of India. So, uh, but yeah, you know, injuries certainly hurt England as well, didn't they? In terms of well, from before the tournament even started. So, in that sense, Australia's had a pretty good run through, you know, with having their best players available, which is obviously part of the trick of any tournament like this. And that's the irony, right? How going into the tournament, all the bilateral series, they never had their full eleven. Forget their full squad. Uh, so I think Australia, what they've done is they've really banked on their strength. I know we live in this era of over analysis and matchups. I'm not saying they're not like used analysis, but they've restricted it to their strengths, what they're comfortable doing. No, we're not going to play the second spinner. We're going to play this all pace attack, uh, and it's worked out for them. And yeah, I mean the fact that they've most of them have stayed injury free is a great sign. How do you, I mean? Who would you say is the most important player for either team? to succeed if you could if each coach could choose one player that's going to play to the best of their ability or above who would it be for either team uh, I mean for Australia it's, it's an obvious one with the bad David Warner because uh, just the form he's been in and and because he's he can carry the team I thought uh, his innings was pretty underrated yes Wade and uh, you know Stoyan has finished it off but he's really set it up so if Warner clicks if Warner plays for 10 overs Australia win this easy in my book um, for for New Zealand, yeah, you know, uh, Martin Guptill's never really played a big knock against Australia in a big tournament. Uh, so, again, I mean, it, it, it's uh, Kane Williamson who you'd think I'd pick, but I'm going with, uh, uh, I'm going with Ish Sodhi. Uh, he had that great run against uh, Australia, uh, you know, even though some of the key players were missing earlier on in the year. And Rispin has played a big role against Australia. Even in the last yeah. game, Shadab Khan taking four wickets. So if Australia play, he's so well, and if David Warner clicks, I think they should have it easy. Now tell us, what's the reaction been like around the world from uh, you know, the different people that you talk to, both in India and in Pakistan? India from missing out on the semis, and then obviously Pakistan being beaten by Australia. Uh, I think in India, the only reason a lot of the cricketers have, I mean, gotten away with not qualifying for the semi-finals is the the fact that it was the end of one era with Ravi Shastri and the and the old cheer around Rahul Dravid taking over as coach, you know, yep. because who it, who it is, it almost feels like everything's going to be all right now. Rahul Dravid is here. Uh, but at the <laughs> other end, on, in Pakistan, I think just heartbreak. They just had their best ICC tournament in a long time, if not ever. Uh, they played like the Australia of old, if you ask me, Hado. I mean, they just, uh, you know, walked over everyone else. Everybody was in form. And then to just lose out in those last three or four overs, uh, against an unexpected, uh, you know, uh, unexpected star in Matthew Wade, uh, real heartbreak. Um, I felt really bad for Hassan Ali. Wanted to go and give him a hug. He had a, he had a really uh, rubbish game, but uh, thankfully, I think their fans have not gone too hard on them. Unlike the Indian fans did against their own team. It's it is for all the analytics and all the the matchups and and so forth. It, it can and I guess just because of the nature, the short nature of the game, it can turn so quickly on one performance, like Wade or Jimmy Neesham, or and that's I guess that's the beauty of the game still to a degree. For all that work that goes in, it can it can still turn so easily on one performance in in a couple of overs, can't it? Absolutely. It's basically who panics first. <laughs> and the one thing, <laughs> it is, isn't it? And in the one thing I think both teams can take from the two semifinals is if you are defending a total, is as a bowling team, you kill the game as early as you can. As yep. a batting team, your responsibility is to drag it 
which is what uh, you know Australia did, which is what New Zealand did against England. But as a bowling team, if you have a death bowler who can get you a wicket or a couple of wickets, and that's what he's been doing uh, throughout his career, you give him the ball. Shahin Afridi should have bowled the 18th over. Chris Jordan should have bowled the 19th over, despite having gone for a lot of runs. Yeah. Uh, by letting the game drift, you just keep the batting team in, and like we saw in the last two games, they'll come back to haunt you. Toss will be important, Barat. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to chatting to you through the summer. Barat Santa Racing, part of SEN Test Cricket, of course, from Crick Buzz as we lead in to tonight's World Cup Party Final. We'll be back shortly with more. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Well, the clock is seriously counting down now. If you've just joined us, it is the SEN World Cup Cricket Party. Our Tobin Brothers talk back. one 736 736 What are you doing to keep you through the night and get you ready for the first ball to be bowled in about two hours' time when uh, Gerard Waitley and Damien Fleming join Sam Hargraves and Darren Berry, who have been anchoring our coverage right throughout this T20 World Cup. Australia and New Zealand in the final. And your text messages on the temper text, temper a mattress like no other. 0433981116. Well, a man who's a big part of SEN Test Cricket, and in fact, he's probably just about uh, written a list of what he's going to pack to come to Australia for the Ashes, because that's getting much, much closer now, is Adam Collins. He's still in London as we speak, or in the UK as we speak, uh, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be watching tonight and, uh, and uh, providing his great insights uh, through his podcasts and various other platforms. Is Adam Collins. Colo, Welcome. Hello, I love the idea of this World Cup party. Have you all got Hawaiian shirts on, ready to sort of dance on the bar through the night? Like I can really see that working with Jared. Well, Jared's got the um, he's gone the 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 the, uh, the tie. He's gone the bow tie. So um, he's really come to the party. <laughs> Flem just had his flannel on, so no, nah, he he isn't dressed up at all. So there's no no great surprises there. Uh, yeah, I, I just like the idea of staying up through the night. Like, the time zone suits me over here. The game will start at two p.m. Uh, local time in London, but. Yeah, that, that experience, that shared communal experience of watching sport from the other side of the world when Australia is in a big final, it's very, very relatable and I, I can't, I'll kind of miss that tonight. Well, we were actually off the top when I jumped on with taking calls and, and uh, text messages about the ones you remember from over the years and there's obviously a huge list. What about for you before you became a, a traveller and someone that uh, lived overseas? What, what are the a couple perhaps that stand out for you where you stayed up late? Yeah, oh, there's, there's plenty of cricket ones, but the 99 World Cup semi-final really sticks out. Yep. The tie at Edgbaston, uh, which, of course, Flem was instrumental to. So, uh, yeah, I used to... Um, and I remember that the 94 tour of South Africa uh, had a television in my bedroom, which was probably a bad idea. So I told my parents I was uh, one thing and I was doing something very different. I was sitting up all night watching the cricket. So, <laughs> yeah, but I think that, that was... Um, as, a, as a kid listening and watching uh, cricket from England uh, was certainly a big part of it, wasn't it? So those Ashes series in... 93 and 97, having the chance to kind of put the telly on in the middle of the night and see it through. But yeah, many Olympic Games as well, I yes. suppose. There's those, there's those memories of getting up to gold medal races, the, the 200 metres freestyle at Athens jumps out, the, the race of the century with Andrew Hugenbad at Thorpe and Hackett and Phelps. That's another, um, in a different sport, but has that similar vibe to tonight, I reckon. Just the idea that there'll be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Australians who are, who are going to be very bleary-eyed tomorrow morning. And I love that stuff. 
I actually was talking earlier about uh, when I grew up, you know, we, 77 actually, I, I can remember seeing Mike Brearley with a um, with the first version of the helmet. Um, so I would have been six, but in that 1977 yeah. tour when we weren't great, it was just after the centenary test. But I remember listening to Jim Maxwell in the West Indies, but it took until I think 91 mm. for us to actually have a series on TV out of uh, the Caribbean. Yeah. So we, we kind of had to imagine, I guess we probably saw a clipping on the news, but we kind of had to imagine what it looked like up until then. Yeah, that's right. 91 was the first series that was telecast uh, back to Australia. I think I'm right in saying that in Melbourne, uh, they cut to a film after the first inning. Uh, it wasn't live into Melbourne, or it might have been Sydney, one or the other. Right. One city had the whole broadcast of so the whole 100 overs. Of course, a thrilling finish, wasn't it, in 87? Yep. And the other city missed out and had a movie on instead. So it says a fair bit about the way in which our, our, our consumption of cricket overseas has changed over the years. The first time anything was sent back via television live was the 1975 World Cup final from Lords. Before that, there'd never been a simulcast from England or anything like it. So, yeah, we're, we're lucky these days to have plenty of options. How's, uh, what's the, the feeling been like uh, from the England fans once, uh, once they went down? Have they kind of lost interest in the... In the, in the World Cup? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, well, first of all, they're gutted because from their perspective, it's the worst possible scenario. England get bundled out uh, in, in a final, in a semi-final. They probably controlled sort of 32 of the 39 overs as well. So they yep. feel as though they were not robbed. It was individual brilliance from New Zealand at the end with Jimmy Neesham. Uh, and, and I suppose there's that enormous respect between England and New Zealand based on what happened in the 2019 World Cup, for instance, and uh, the boundary count back and all the rest of it. So there's an underlying respect there, but gutted to miss out. And then on the other side of the equation, uh, they obviously all wanted Australia to lose heading into an Ashes, <laughs> of summer, uh, an Ashes winter for them. So they've got the worst possible matchup tonight. And I can assure you that, uh, that, that uh, well, look, 95% of English fans uh, want New Zealand to get up tonight, that's for sure. They, have, they are amazing, aren't they, New Zealand? Like, yeah, for different reasons, they weren't expected to make it as Australia with Australia's poor form coming in. I mean, no one would be shocked that they've made it, but they certainly weren't many people's selection to make it. Yeah, I reckon if we were doing a depth chart or a form chart before the World Cup, we might have said that Australia and New Zealand were like the sixth and seventh most likely teams to win it. I reckon that's part of the, the real joy of T20 cricket, the vagaries of it, the volatility of it, that... The whole competition can turn on a couple of brilliant overs or in the case of Australia's semi-final win, one extraordinary performance from Matthew Wade and Marcus Stoinis. But yeah. really it came down to two men, which changed the whole trajectory of the competition. I mean, a fortnight ago, Australia were pumped by England to such an extent that Steve Waugh popped out a manifesto saying we need to tear <laughs> the whole thing down. Um, so, I mean, and, you know, someone as esteemed as Steve Waugh uh, had, had that view. And I think a lot of people would have shared it before the World Cup started when... Uh, the Aussies were given a pounding by India in one of the warm-up games. There was a genuine sense of, gee, Australia may not do, may not, not only not get out of the group, they might do very poorly here. But again, it, it's T20 cricket, which means you just need to get on a roll uh, at the right time. And for New Zealand's part, let's look at the team they've got here. They've been going through as a, as a generation from probably when Brendan McCullum took over as captain in 2013. Now, the 2015 World Cup, they performed exceptionally well before being overawed, I suppose, at the MCG in the final by Australia. They get back there in 2019 and lose on boundary, boundary count back. <laughs> a stunning way to lose a final. Um, they maintain this, uh, this brilliant record at home in Test cricket, which was sufficient to get them into the World Test Championship final against a heavily fancied India, 
And then they knock them off after beating England at home. Uh, and now they find themselves in this T20 World Cup final. But remember, it's more or less the same group of players. I mean, Tim Southey was asked a couple of years ago, he made these comments um, after the semi, that when he missed out on playing in the 19 World Cup, he was mostly 12th man through that tournament. Uh, James Anderson and Stuart Broad said to him, are you going to become a red ball specialist like we are for England? And his response was, well, we don't really have the resources to allow me to do thing. I need to play all three formats. We have to do more with less. And now Tim Southey has been probably the through the competition. Certainly for New Zealand, he's got a brilliant economy rate, taking wickets in every game. So this group do play every format. They do know how to win together as a team. They have gelled across the formats. And if they pulled it off tonight to be test champions in June and with a pretty similar team to be T20 champions in November, that'd be an extraordinary story and would be the cherry on top of a great generation. Yeah, no, it is quite amazing. Um, as you said, really, from the time that, uh, that Brendan McCullum took over, they've, they played cricket in a, in a different way and way that they've been much admired for. From an Australian point of view, um, we can talk about what's worked, and I will talk about that in a moment, but what hasn't worked for Australia? Most has, but probably Steve Smith and, and Glenn Maxwell, and, and Maxie's obviously contributed with the, the ball and in the field, but um, how have you seen the, the performances of those two players? Yeah, look, I think if they were starting again, if this was the first game of the competition, I'd imagine they might move on from Smith. But uh, that old adage about changing a winning team, uh, especially when it comes to Australian cricket, he'll certainly play. But, I mean, I think Steve Smith was described as the, the man who would who problem solver or a fixer in the Australian team. Well, he struck at about 100 through the tournament and averaged not many at all. So really, and, and granted, that's been partly because they had two quick kills, two easy chases to finish the group stage. He hasn't had a lot of time in the middle, but that, that is one position which, um, look, he's obviously got vast experience playing in the IPL and playing short-form cricket for Australia. He played in Australia's last World Cup final in this format back in 2010, for instance, albeit more as a leg spinner who batted a bit uh, back in that era. But still, he, he's got that long-term experience. And I suppose the only other question is that if they end up uh, end up having vulnerability with their fifth bowler, mm. you mentioned Maxi's bowling. It has been... Fairly dependable through the competition. The one team, though, that got it right against the fifth bowler was Sri Lanka. They took 51 runs from Australia's fourth bowler. Yep. And, and that was the catalyst for Australia changing their setup for the England game and playing Ashton Agar. Now, Agar's not going to play tonight. So it'll be fascinating to me if they bowl Maxwell inside the power play, as they like to do, with a, getting at least one over in the first six out of him, if New Zealand just line him up and just go hell for leather and try and um, uh, dent his confidence early on and, and try and change Aaron Finch's plan. And someone like Daryl Mitchell is, is well-placed for that. Mitchell's having a, a glorious tournament opening the batting for New Zealand. I don't think many people would have expected Mitchell to even play. But again, it goes back to that New Zealand disposition of doing more with less, of making bold decisions, and Mitchell going to the top of the order. Even more important tonight, because Devin Conway's not playing. Conway, of course, that, that self-inflicted hand injury, <laughs> punching his bat, uh, when he was out in the semi-final to England, sort of joining that um, that, that that list of players that have uh, hurt themselves by punching walls, like Mitchell Marsh missed the Shield season, Ben Stokes missed a couple of games early in his career doing something similar. Um, but no, it does mean that New Zealand have to make a change, and it does mean it's even more important than Mitchell at the top of the order can take Australia on. So watch this space when it comes to the fifth bowler. And I was reading the, the article, I think it was on ESPN, uh, just about the, the connection between Stoinis and Mitchell. They were teammates along with Justin Langer for Scarborough in the 2009 yes. 
the district final in Perth. And, uh, of course, his dad, uh, Daryl Mitchell's dad, was the, the coach of the Super 14, the inaugural team over there. So mm. there's good backstory between those two, isn't there? Yeah, that, that was from SEN Test Cricket Zone, Barat Sunderason. Was it? So I apologise, Barat. No, no, not, not, not at all. I, I thought we should uh, mention it was Barat. Uh, yeah, beautiful piece of writing. I, I totally recommend it. I mean, yeah, you, you forget sometimes that um, whilst a lot of these New Zealand players don't get as many opportunities on, on the IPL circuit, perhaps, and Mitchell's a good example of that, not having played in that particular competition, they have been peripheral to it. They play in other T20 comps. Mitchell, for example, has played quite a lot in England. Um, and, and other other sort of lower profile T20 comps. So they're still there getting that experience. And the contrast being, I suppose, that the Australian team, pretty much from head to toe, have got that big time experience on the big stage, which of course puts a team in, in good stead in a, in a global final like this. Hey, how excited are you for the Ashes? And when when do we can't, when do we see you? I'll be back in Australia this time next week. So um, wow. the fact that there's no quarantine entering Sydney and Melbourne anymore, I've timed my run kind of perfectly. So, um, yeah, jumping on the plane next Saturday morning from London and the build-up will begin. Can't wait to get uh, to join you guys uh, down in Melbourne for the first test, I suppose. The, the probability of getting into Brisbane is now quite limited because CA have been reluctant to change the first test. It bewilders me why they've been unable to, to shuffle that to later in the series. But, um, alas, that's, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, and then we'll uh, then we'll plough on. So I mean, look, despite the fact that uh, it appears as though it's a bit of a mismatch with England having such a fragile batting lineup, the fact is England have played loads of Test cricket yeah. since COVID. Australia have played sod all Test cricket since COVID. So yeah, there's more of a form line to go on with England. But just that very fact that the England team are a little bit battle hardened. They've gone through quite a bit in the last couple of years. Uh, that 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 for me is an interesting part of this and. That they're together as a squad right now in Queensland uh, in, in quarantine, but also preparing for their practice matches and, and all the rest of it. Um, look, I, I think they will be, um, I think Australia are, are certainly favourites to win the series at home, but, but I don't think we're staring down the barrel of another 4-0 or 5-0. I, I think it'll be closer than that. And I think that's a good thing. The last time we had a, a truly competitive Ashes series in Australia was 82-83. I mean, it's a really long time since... You could argue 10-11, which is still, the series was still live on Boxing Day. But of course, that was blown out of the water by lunch on day one with England bowling Australia out for 98. You've got to go back such a long time since there was a, a genuine live series all the way through uh, the five tests of the summer. Yes, of course, everyone would love to see Australia pump England again. But if, if it's going to be a bit of push and pull all the way to the finish line, I take that as well because oh, having absolutely. 2005 and, and 2009 over here, uh, that's also pretty fun, you know. Oh, mate, I'm with you all the way on that. And the fact that Ben Stokes is coming, unfortunately not Joffre Archer, but the fact that Ben Stokes is coming, thats I think it's been roundly celebrated down here. Maybe the Aussies would rather... He, but I think even they, them would, even the players would rather play against the best and, and have that sort of competition. Yeah, I, I genuinely agree with that. Look, you'd have to be... You'd have to be pretty cold of heart to not want to see Ben Stokes play in another Ashes series in Australia. I know last time around in 17-18, it was totally self-inflicted and appropriate punishment uh, for what went down in Bristol uh, earlier in 17. But this time around, had he missed, it would have been obviously tending to his finger injury, but also to deal with his uh, mental health challenges that he's been very, on, very much on the front foot about. Uh, and the fact that he's now sufficiently healthy to come to Australia and to prepare with the main squad and all the video clips we're seeing is that he can swing the bat properly. 
that's just really exciting that we're going to see a, a, a transformational cricketer on our shores this year playing in an Ashes series, which he did so well when he burst onto the scene in 13-14. Remember, it was at Adelaide when he made his test debut and then at Perth when he made that brilliant 100 in challenging conditions when England lost the series there, but, but Stokes really announced himself. So, yeah, I think we can, we can see the bigger picture there and see it's going to be a wonderful thing having Ben Stokes in Australia this summer. Kyle, always great to chat cricket with you. Uh, give us a, a tip for tonight. I just feel as though that match winner thing that I mentioned before with Australia. Look, I think New Zealand's a better balanced side, but uh, the match winner thing stands out. And also Devin Conway. The fact that New Zealand need to play Tim Seifert as a wicketkeeper. Um, Conway has been so good across three formats this year. Uh, he's a genuine match winner. And taking him out of the team, it, it does weaken New Zealand at the worst time. On that basis, I think Australia just too good. Good stuff, Kyle. Can't wait to catch up with you when you get out here and we'll get into the Ashes. It's going to be a huge summer ahead and uh, you'll be a big part of SEN Test Cricket. So we'll, uh, we'll see you when you get here. Uh, travel well. Can't wait, Hutto. Thank you, mate. See you soon. Adam Collins joining us, uh, part of SEN Test Cricket from London, getting ready to head here for the Ashes, but also uh, working and covering tonight's game, as you would expect. SEN... Um, World Cup party. It's for Tobin Brothers. Our talkback is 1300-736-736. And for Temper, a mattress like no other, 0433-98-1116. We'll take a break. We'll come back and chat to the one and only Simon O'Donnell. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Welcome back. The SEN World Cup T20 Party continues. And who better to invite to the party than the one and only Simon O'Donnell. Scoop, good evening to you. Hello. Uh, nice to be part of it. Um, what I'm, so, I'm sort of bluffing the system a little bit. I've put everything two hours back just to keep me going to to get to the bounce of the ball. So uh, <laughs> I've just finished dinner. I'm more than happy to be, be chatting now, and I'm glad you've got me now because in a couple of hours' time, I'm not sure I'll be um, chatting quite as coherently as I am at the moment. What is your sort of late-night sport? Because you're in a, being in the racing field, you, I imagine a lot of the times it's too hard for you to stay up, but what is your sort of, uh, if you do want to stop and watch the Ashes or one of these uh, big World Cup matches, what sort of your food and drink uh, go-to? Um, well, I just try and delay things. I'm generally an early eater, so I'll eat a little bit later and try and bluff the system that you know it's not as late as what it is. I'll probably go for a little bit of um, liquid refreshment of the red grape type just right. to keep me going, if possible, yeah. and it, and if needed. Uh, it's not needed every night. Sometimes um, that but... can put you to sleep, though, can't it? <laughs> oh, no, not if you get enough of it, India. Right. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> hey, now uh, we'll make it tonight. Hello, it's a special night. Uh, indeed. Uh, I think I've actually spoken to you about this before, but how much would you have enjoyed T Twenty cricket? Do you reckon as a player? Oh, look, you, you don't know. I mean, I like the workload. You can only bowl twenty-four <laughs> balls, and you know, maximum probably batting in the middle order. You're, you're going to bat for no more than you know eight to ten overs. So I, I sort of think yeah, the workload's a nice thing, but. You know, the game's evolved enormously, hasn't it, since it started? Yes. I mean, the plans and, and who bowls to who and field placements. I mean, 
you know, there, there's 120 balls to be bowled and there's a different field for all those 120 balls, basically. So it's extraordinary how the game has evolved so quickly since it started. How would you have enjoyed that as a captain, do you reckon? I mean, you would, you would have been a, a bowler... A, a captain, a bowler, and a batsman, which obviously you were in test cricket or longer form and you were in one-day cricket. But as you said, the level of tactics, and I know a lot of it's pre-planned, but it would have been pretty intense for you to, to, be, to be doing, being a captain and an all-rounder, I imagine. And I, I think it would be really interesting, it's, well, I find it really interesting watching the captains. I mean, they just don't stop. You know, Aaron Finch, you, know, you sort of think he's jaw will blow out at some stage. <laughs> he chews that gum and blows those bubbles so hard, you think. Wow, we, but after every delivery, you've got to rethink exactly where you're at and what were we doing next, and if that happened, what's that plan? So it's it's probably, you know, it's nearly a cross with American football, don't you think? You know, where yeah. you just, everything is a different play, and you're not taking out a different team, but you're putting players in different positions. T- tell us about these world about World Cups, whether it be the T20 or the one days in, in your uh, experience. Obviously, Back to '87 was a really, you know, a huge part of your important start of part of your life, both from a, a cricketing and a health point of view that you were leading into. But uh, what what are the pressures involved when you're you're in the, in the middle of a tournament like this, and then you get to the pointy end? Um, I, I think the, the best thing I learnt from the World Cup in '87, and you know, some of our successes in in World Series cricket, and also in in shield cricket, um, you know, the, the 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 group is the key ingredient. And if the group's splintering, you're buggered. You, you're no hope. You, you just no hope. So, you know, during that tour of India, you know, the, the the depth of the guys' commitment to each other, not only just to winning the games of cricket, but but helping others perform to the best of their ability, what was a, a, an absolute standout factor in my mind. So. You know, this Australian team, you know, for, for what they did in Bangladesh leading in, everyone thought, oh, well, this is going to be over and done with and the guys will be home early. You know, they've really set themselves and they've taken pride in their performance to get where they've got to tonight and give themselves a, an opportunity of winning the, the trophy. That's not an easy thing to do, particularly these days in professional sport with the individual kudos that a lot of the guys get. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they seem to have done it and they deserve their spot. The Kiwis work on that, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They love that Kiwi against the rest of the world. I'm seeing a bit of Australia against the rest of the world here, particularly because of the poor build-up. So I'm, I'm thrilled they've got there and given them the opportunity, themselves the opportunity. Now's the ultimate test. Put yourself in the in the head of Glenn Maxwell tonight, Simon. Uh, how he hasn't had a great tournament with the bat. He's, he's, he's actually been okay with the ball and obviously his fielding's always a huge asset. If he has to play an important role, either you know, batting first and trying to set that total or, or batting second in a chase, how, how much does the fact that he hasn't performed yet um, play on his mind or do you think he's the type that can just either either uh, harness that or ignore it? I think the key to, he, to Glenn Maxwell in this game is that he knows he's not alone and that, you know, it goes back to what I was saying before, that these guys are helping Glenn and understand the, not predicament, but understand the challenge that's in front of him tonight. You know, the difficulty for Glenn, when he gets to the ground, he doesn't know whether he's going to be batting three or six. Yeah. You know, he, he's, that, he's that swing hitter. Now, 
you know, I, I sort of don't... We used to do that, you know, probably in the hundred-odd games I, I played. I think we did it four times. <laughs> you know, where you, you put someone up the order to, you know, throw the order out of whack. So, because you, you wanted, you know, wanted everyone comfortable and understanding what their role was. So, his is a very difficult one. And you just hope those guys around him understand the pressure he will be under, not only to perform, but the pressure he puts on himself, and that they contribute and help to eradicate some of that pressure. And if they do that correctly, it gives him his best chance of performing well. All right. Uh, how, do you see it? how do you see it playing out then? Obviously, the toss has been important all the way through, so we don't know that at this stage. But uh, how, what's, your, what's your tip, and how do you, do you think Australia can bring home their first T20 World Cup? Look, I really do hope you know Australia win. Obviously, and, and that goes without saying. This is going to sound a touch un-Australian. I hope you pay this at the end of the party and not the start. <laughs> but I have a soft spot for New Zealand. And if you asked, you said to me twenty years ago, would you have a soft spot for New Zealand in sport? I'd say no. You know, and I never will. And what a stupid question that is. But this cricket team is extraordinary, and you know some of the humans within that cricket team are pretty extraordinary as well. So look, if if we were going to get beaten, uh, I'm happy that New Zealand go home with the crown than another nation or, or some of the other nations because you know, they have, they just keep putting themselves in these tournaments and in positions to win them. And, and you know, to do that, that's an extraordinary effort over the last three or four years. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. They are difficult to hate, but anyway, we'll do our best during the game at, at the least. But as you said, they've been, they've, they've been, in, they've been incredible uh, and uh, in all, all forms of the game. Simon, we'll let you go. Uh, appreciate you've had a huge spring carnival, so uh, we appreciate uh, you taking our call tonight and getting in, involved in the party. Hello, enjoy it. Um, it it'll be um, uh, always a special moment when um, two great sides come together and you know, it's a World Cup. It's uh, it's something very special. And we look forward to catching up during the summer. Cheers, Simon. Cheers, mate. Simon O'Donnell joining us. We're about 90 minutes away now from the first ball being bowled. And just a reminder, Jared Waitley, Damien Fleming are going to join Sam Hargraves and Darren Berry. And they've been doing a great job, Sam and Chuck, through the tournament. So uh, they're going to bring you the best coverage. That's from one. Sam's going to join us shortly, actually. We'll also speak to Grant Elliott, uh, who's a big part of the SEN New Zealand team. And uh, Lisa Stalaker is also going to be with us before we uh, hand over to uh, the rest of the team. Well, I do anyway. After midnight. So stay with us. We'll take a break. It is our SEN World Cup party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. The big pack of cheesels and the family Tim Tams are still sitting in front of me, largely untouched, although the Tim Tams are starting to dwindle. Mitch has been in here a couple of times to knock a couple off. I put a couple in the fridge because I like my chocolate to be a little bit cooler than melt here in the studio. But uh, Flem and Jared are going to return and be part of the World Cup action with Darren Berry and Sam Hargraves, who have uh, done the journey all the way through and uh, been working the midnight plus hours all the way through, only for Jared and Flem just to swoop in come the final, <laughs> as they would. But, uh, Sam, great that you're going to be calling the action. You've done a fantastic job, particularly, of course, with uh, the Matty Wade stuff the other night. Uh, great to have you here. and You must be excited about calling the big one. Yeah, very excited, Hutto. I tried to get some uh, a little bit of uh, Dennis nap time uh, a couple of hours ago and just couldn't. 
I was lying awake just thinking about the game and what may or may not unfold and everything that's to come. And um, it didn't help that the, the beautiful Evie was watching a Real Housewives of something. And that's just basically all you can hear is just about 10 uh, people all in the one argument. And just it's just screaming and yelling. So it wasn't the most conducive environment for sleep. But I think it was more about the fact that tonight, very excited for, for what's to come. How, how have you managed the sleep factor, by the way? Have you been having an early kip and then getting up? I think the, the, the greatest way to, to, to look at that is that Chuck, as a, as a former elite cricketer, he's, his prep was second to none in, in this tournament. He knew what his school day was, home, to sleep for a certain amount of time, up, to get ready. I've been all over the place. Right. Some days has been very good. I've got my prep done. I've been happy with where I'm at. I've been able to get an hour here or there. Other days, I've been running around like a headless chook. And, uh, but I think once you get in here, and you'd know this far better, that it, it wouldn't matter what time it is, but when you get in the chair and, and it comes on and, and you call the first moment, you, you're wide awake. Yep. The, 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 the energy that you've got, the adrenaline's pumping, and we've had such a great response off the text coming through. So you've never, we've never felt alone. Yep. During this, Chuck and I, we've had regular uh, all the way through, and the interaction's just been phenomenal. And we've we've loved every moment of it. It's been an incredible tournament. And who, I think, what stands out for me the most in this is that when was the last time that we went into a World Cup where Australia was an underdog? Yeah, you know, we were ranked seventh in the world coming into this, and um, and nobody giving Australia any hope at all. Um, well, I do remember growing up uh, that in the we were hopeless for a lot of the a lot of the <laughs> well, relatively we were good against. Some of the teams, but compared to the West Indies and at times compared to England and certainly in those, the World Cup, I was too young to remember 75, but certainly 79 and 83, we weren't, we weren't very good then. But, um, but yeah, it's a good point you make. And I think that's really worked for Australia. I think it's worked mm. for Justin Langer because he's a footy coach at heart. So it's us against them. It's swooper northy, you know, type <laughs> action. Um, I think that's really worked for Australia. And um so it's been interesting and obviously one more match to go. But whatever the case, it's been a successful campaign, hasn't it? And it's obviously been great to call all the action uh, with Chuck, who knows T20s as well as anybody. He's a smarter brain. And we've been rolling out the uh, the Chuck Stradamus because he will pick an outcome to the ball. Watch for this. It's about to happen. I can sense it. I can see it. And next thing you know, his strike rate on Chuck Stradamus predictions, I think he's going at about 85%. Well, anything at 85% is pretty good, certainly. Didn't it is. The Spring Carnival, I didn't hear anybody <laughs> go at 85%. No, and, and that's what I asked him. Where were you during the spring? Uh, Brett has been one who shared the, the entire journey with uh, with you and Chuck. It's been magnificent to be alongside them. They feel like friends. So part of that great reaction you're talking about. By the way, um, the temper cloud pillow, we've been giving them away uh, to each hour. of eight at $299. Absolutely magnificent from temper, mattresses and pillows like no other. And Lockie from Balan has sent through this because we were talking about staying up late and uh, mm. watching cricket matches when you're a kid or from over the years. And he's gone for one a little bit different to uh, to anyone else. Tubby Taylor, when he made 100 at Edgbaston in 1997, he hadn't scored over 50 in 21 knocks. And it took him an hour to get from 90 to 100, which was 3 a.m. So a few extra liquid refreshments were required, but I stuck it out and saw him break the drought. That's Lockie from Balanta. He wins the temper cloud pillar. That's a ripper. And, mm. and Tubby's name's coming up a lot recently because the last time Australia toured Pakistan, because yes. that tour has been announced, and he got the 334 and equal the Don. I remember that. I got up to watch that because it was history in the making. And do you remember at the time, Hutto, there was a real debate about is it disrespectful yes. for him to go past yes. yep. 
or should he just sit on, or should he and declare the fact that he ended up, before? But the fact that he ended up on that score overnight was just pure fluke. Yeah. It's not like he got to 334 and then, you know, made sure that he stayed there. And that he just you know, he ended up getting a lot of kudos out of doing it, didn't yeah, he, really? Yeah, he did. And then Matty Hayden just went, just I'll have my 380, I'll thanks. the Zimbabwe <laughs> seconds and I'm just going to go right past. <laughs> So yeah, they're, they're, that's, uh, that's that. We didn't see much cricket out of, from Pakistan, did we, in the early days? Uh, or from, no. And unfortunately, we have obviously we haven't seen a lot lately. But great moments, which we we're going through earlier. Um, one of mine was, you know, it's a bit later, but two thousand and one, um, and that partnership uh, between Laxman and Dravid, and that was, I mean, the, the cricket in India comes in at a great time. Really, it's kind mm. of later in the day and into the early night, and I mean that was even though it, was, it ended up, you know going against Australia, that was just one of the most astonishing test matches and test series. So that was a great memory. It was a pivotal um, moment in, in the rivalry that's that's now. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we look at Australia and England as being the pinnacle in test cricket and cricket for, for us. But Australia-India now is just as um, – it's just – if it's not on par, it is only just a shade off. Yeah, I mean, them having come to Australia the last – Two of the last three seasons has magnified that. But then we've got an Ashes. I'm so excited about the Ashes. So, in theory, I agree with it, but it's hard to go past. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing beats the Ashes. Yeah, we're going to find all about that this summer. We'll take a short break now. Grant Elliott, who was one of the heroes for New Zealand in, in reaching the, the final back in 2015 of the ODI World Cup, part of the SENZ commentary team, he's going to join us next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. You are indeed enjoying the feedback, those that are listening around the country. And uh, for a different perspective, Sam now, Sam Hargroves, Anthony Hudson with you. Uh, let's head to uh, New Zealand where they're all-rounder and one of the stars of the 2015 campaign, part of the SENZ commentary team uh, tonight in Wellington. Beautiful place, part of the world too is Wellington. Is Grant Elliott who's been good enough to join us. Uh, Grant, how, how are you going and what are the expectations over there? Uh, Anthony, thank you. Uh, I was on the one of the shows earlier and thank you so much for not pay, playing one of the finals of the World Cup tips when Australia won it. That's just how <laughs> I was introduced uh, earlier. Was it? Um, well, but, I, can get, yeah. I can get that for you if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, no, well, we, I've just got to the studio here, so obviously a little bit of nerves and a bit of an edge here, which is, which is great. But, um, you know, there's nothing better than facing Australia and I think it's just a great opportunity for the players in a big moment. And I'm really excited to see who that one player is that's going to stand up in this game. T20 cricket is a matter of 12 balls. 12 balls can absolutely change a game. And when you look back at it, um, you can break it down to even you know three deliveries where they can make a difference. And I think the last two semifinals have been um, momentum has been wrestled back from a team within three deliveries. So... It's going to be a bloody exciting game, um, and I'm looking forward to getting together with the Australian crew shortly to discuss it and talk <laughs> about how awesome New Zealand is, and uh, you guys will talk about how awesome Aussie are. <laughs> well, it's a great point you make uh, uh, about the, how quickly things can change. You wouldn't have probably expected that Jimmy Neesham and Matthew Wade would be the two to do it in the respective finals either. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, 
what has become apparent in these conditions is that it's very difficult to go in and just launch from ball one. Um, it takes a while for batters to adapt to the conditions and then start launching. But those two players played an absolute cameo innings, which you know took the momentum straight away from the opposition um, in a short space of time. And I think you know in finals cricket, when you've got one hand on the trophy or one hand on the victory, and then suddenly you know big over. There was a Chris Jordan over, and then obviously Matty Wade big over. Suddenly, you know, some of the players, uh, you know, get caught up in the moment a little bit too much. So it's about handling pressure and it's about handling that big moment but wanting that big moment. So, you know, I expect the the big players to stand up in in both teams and that's where the victory lies. It lies with those players with the most experience because generally those are the ones that are calmest under pressure. Grant, uh, Sam Hargraves here, mate. Looking forward to spending the next hour with you and Daniel McCarty before... Um, we get just into throwing as many grenades at each other as we can uh, across the Tasman, <laughs> mate. I, I wanted to say I wanted to get your thoughts and and, and get get to, and some insight from you. The the strength of New Zealand cricket does defy so many things. Population of five million, rugby is the religion. Rugby league closing. I, I don't know participation numbers, but I don't think cricket uh, is comes anywhere near what uh, rugby has. But yet you, you take down India in this uh, with almost 2 billion people. You beat England in a test championship, uh, the, the birthplace of cricket. Batting above your average is a cliche, we know, but it never rings more true than with New Zealand. How do you explain how strong New Zealand cricket is when really it almost shouldn't be? Yeah, I mean, everyone always talks about that, or, or recently uh, more so. I mean, I was involved in a, an era where we weren't that dominant um, and we were probably rebuilding. And, you know, uh, along with Brendan McCallum and guys like Daniel Vittori, rebuilt the team, rebuilt the culture. I think that if you get the, the channels right um, in a small population, and yes, we've only got six state sides or association sides like um, you do in Australia. However, it's New Zealand's a small place, and I think it's easy to create a culture um, and get those lines of communication going um, fairly efficiently. And I think that that's what um, we've got as a, as a country. And the, the administration is fantastic. It's consistent. And one of the, the biggest um, assets, I think, is that we've had consistent coaching staff. Now, when I was involved, we had five different coaches in five years. However, Mike Hesson then stepped up, and I think he was in the role for you know, five or six years. And now we've got Gary Stead, and, and the support staff have been very consistent as well, including the strength and conditioner, the bowling coach, and batting coaches have rotated a little bit. So I think having that consistency means that the players trust the system and also players can go in there and they know that every innings that they play is not going to be their last. So that's created a very consistent selection policy as well. Um, so there's a lot of trust in the system. Uh, the guys understand their roles. The role clarity is, is brilliant. And um, I think it's just a fertile environment for players to get better and they don't want to miss out on being in that, that environment. So we're in a golden era in New Zealand at the moment. Um, you know, reaching three finals of, of all three uh, competitions in ICC is, is amazing. And I think as fans, we're just going to have to enjoy it. Um, the, the best thing about it is that New Zealand cricket are doing a review of why things are working so well. Normally, you do a review when <laughs> things do. go pear-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it really is in a good space at the moment. 
Grant, uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, I'll let you go and just uh, get ready to talk a bit more trash with the boys when I hand over in a moment. Uh, fascinating. I, I would wish it well, but I wouldn't mean it. So um, hopefully, the, hopefully, it's a, hopefully it's a great game of cricket and we beat you. That's about the only where I can leave it. But thanks for joining us. Well, I share that exact sentiment again. I'm looking forward to those hand grenades being thrown shortly. And I know my host is uh, Dan McCarty. Excellent. Thank you, mate. Grant Elliott there, former New Zealand all-rounder, played a big part in the, the 2015 World Cup campaigns, particularly the semi-final, and part of the SENZ commentary team from tonight in Wellington. Well, he might be busy, but no one's busier at the moment as a career commentator in Australia than Lisa Stalaker. Hey, Lisa, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you've obviously been watching a heap of uh, WBBL, which is, which is flying. Um, but it's uh, our attention just for the moment is on the, the men's final tonight. What's your, what's your gut feel as to what will happen? Yeah, it's, um, it's two even teams, isn't it? I, but my gut feel tells me that Australia haven't had any disruption in their playing 11. Uh, they've been building nicely and they've probably got a few more match winners. And if it's about a par one at 70 to 180 score, I reckon Australia will, will come across the line. Okay, so you think you think our our batting strength will is gives us that Correct. that ability? Yeah, I just think Warner Warner's been building nicely. We've got big game players who who I think are X factors, and and we still haven't seen actually the best of Glenn Maxwell uh, who. To be honest, I think he's probably in the best headspace he's been for a long time, coming straight off the IPL. Obviously, you're really used to the conditions. Um, and given the fact that Stoinis and Wade now have spent some time in the middle and got us across the line, I'm not as concerned with our middle order. And we know what our bowlers can do. Zampa is the little magician at the moment. Um, and if Australia doesn't pick up a wicket in the power play, he manages to nab one pretty soon out of the power play. Lisa, where do you sit on the um, matchups and analytics versus experience and instinct when it comes to T20, and I guess particularly in a in a final like this? I think history, or in terms of matchup, does play some role. But when it comes to finals, things tend to go out of the window. Even about you know how many teams have won the toss and won games. You know, we always say in finals, sometimes runs on the board mm. count for a lot because pressure, the pressure that you go through in a final is something that you cannot recreate anywhere. As much as coaches want to think they can do it, you <laughs> can't do it. Um, the thing is as well that this New Zealand side, well, they've been playing in the last three ICC finals. You look at the Test Championship and then also go back to 2019. And I don't think they want to go through the heartbreak that they felt in 2019. But the fact that New Zealand have never beaten Australia in knockout matches in ICC, I think it's around 17 times I was reading. Yeah. Um, they've got to remember that. That there's got to be something in, in the back of their mind. And they'll always say there's always a first, and I absolutely agree with that. But those little things mean a lot um, in an ICC final. So you think, you, you think Australia? Yep, Australia. And uh, just 
Quickly before we let you go, the uh, the WBBL, it's, uh, it's, it's really flourishing, isn't it? Yeah, albeit um, this weekend we, we saw some interesting uh, games. I think uh, one only uh, Adelaide Strikers were the only team that was able to get above 100. The bowlers all of a sudden came back into the contest. Um, yeah, it's, it's still evenly poised, I think, with about probably five teams that can mathematically make it to the final. So we're coming into the last kind of week and weekend before the final. So everyone's uh, up and about. We'll let you go. Uh, look forward to uh, that, that month ahead or those weeks ahead with the WBBL. And, of course, um, we can't wait for tonight. You're tipping Australia. I hope you're right, Lise. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Lisa Stalaker joining us there. Um, and, and thank you. I'm going to hand over to Sam and the team. They're going to be joined across the ditch by the man we just heard before, Grant Elliott, with Daniel McCarty. So Sam and Chuck to take you through the next hour and then Jared and uh, Flem to join just ahead of the toss and all the action coming your way. Hope you're enjoying our World Cup party on SEN. For Tobin Brothers and Temper and thanks to all those that have sent messages. A shout out to Matty Thompson who's been listening. It is a good old SEN event this one. And to everyone else who's been part of our SEN World Cup party, it continues next. Right across Australia, you're listening to SEN's World Cup Cricket Party. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.